nation. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alert! Alert! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Raisin Review Podcast. Nick, Jerry, and Josh, the whole crew tonight. We're going to wrap up some basketball for the season. We're going to talk track the pack. Great sweep over Arkansas State. we got a little golf to talk about. A few other shout-outs to get to before we get too far into the show. But uh, as you can see, our boy Nick has spruced up the broadcast a little bit. So let's give him a shout-out. Nick, how are you, man? Looks good. I'm good. We got some more tricks up my sleeve trying to make it, you know, keep it fresh and stuff, seeing what other people are doing and maybe copying a little bit. I don't know. But you know what? Uh, uh, what is it? Imitation is the best form of flattery. So, yeah, thanks to those people I'm copying off of this week. <laughs> hey, that's good. Well, you got to get better somehow, right? I mean, we're not, we're not all that smart. Let's be honest. So we hey, gotta never. Rip, we got to rip stuff off from people is what it is. None of us have ever done live streaming before until we started doing this less than a year ago. So you got to pick up tricks along the way. That's it. Jerry, I'm glad you could join us this week. We are ready for track the pack with Jerry involved. What's up, bro? Yeah, finally. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Uh, it's good to be back. Sorry I was absent the last couple of weeks, but still following everything. And, uh, hey, I, I want to thank you guys for holding the fort down without me. Y'all did a fantastic job, but it's good to good to be back and uh, talk some uh, talk some courage and Cajun sports with y'all tonight. Fired up. So five-game week on the diamond for the boys. Uh, the girls went to Southern Miss basketball. Golf hosted the Classics this past week, which was a, a hit, and I can't wait to give a shout-out to the guys on that. But we have so much to talk about. I'm sure I'm missing some things. Uh, track and field had a stellar weekend. Uh, if you pay attention to social media at all, they were all over. A couple of school records were uh, taken down, and the track team seems to be off to a, a great start this season. So maybe we can shine some light on that. They deserve a little bit of coverage, too, and we'll get that to you. Other than that, I mean, I'm worn out. I got to be honest with you, it's a long-ass week, man. There's so much to pay attention to. Basketball, my nerves were bad from, I don't know, Monday, I guess. I, anybody feel the same? I mean, am I, am I stressing out over nothing over here? Man, I got to tell you, look, I, I had the shawls. I, had a, I was diagnosed with strep, so I was running like 103 fever earlier in the week. Um, so coming into Thursday, I was a little worried that I'd be able to stay up and watch the game. I was, I was seriously worried that I could stay up to see, see the Cajuns play. Luckily I was much better by then, got some medicine in me and, and things were going a lot better, but it was just like every single day was something like you had Jackson state and the same day you had the golf tournament, then you had Mississippi state, then you had the basketball game. And then you turn around and you have Arkansas state. And I know that's a lot for, for us as fans. I can only imagine people like Sully 
and 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 poor Jay having to travel, you know, 15 different places, that's got to be tough on them. That's a lot of travel. That's a lot of stress. That's a lot of stuff that has to be coordinated and done. Uh, so kudos to those guys for making it all happen, because I tell you what, it exhausted me just watching. I couldn't imagine what it looked like being actually involved in that. Yeah, not to mention you got administrators in Orlando. You've got you still got to keep the crew here to run the game day events. I mean, so many things have to take place to keep all the uh, the machinery rolling smoothly. By the way, I wanted to make a comment. I had to watch the game uh, from home today because we had some things going on. I can't tell you how good of a broadcast we have compared to other Sunbelt schools and G5 schools, whatever you want to call it. The broadcast is so well done. The the com you know the color commentary, the play by play, all great. Everything is so professional. It's just so well done. I wanted to give them a shout out. I meant to do that on social uh, today, and I didn't get to do it. But and Nick, you watch the broadcast all the time from Houston, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. I rarely do because I'm usually at the Teague. But today was just a great reminder of how uh, fortunate we are to have the stream team and how good of a job they do. Yeah, I'm going to add on to that. I actually made the um, somebody somebody copied my tweet from Twitter about Georgia State. Yeah, and look, kudos to them for sweeping Troy. That was huge for them. But their stadium looks like a high school stadium. Like, it looks like Lafayette Little League plays there. That's embarrassing. And I get that they they don't have the funds right now and they're working on it. Trust me, we know because we've been talking about the football stadium. But at least our football stadium, even in its current state, is still a Division One football stadium. Their baseball stadium looks like a bad softball stadium for Division One. So they got to get better. I mean, I, I was making fun of the fact that the umpires were behind a fence with fans right behind them. In, in like lounge chairs, just chilling with with tea, you know, in the background on a big thing with some some nachos and stuff on as, fold out as, tables. Yeah, with fold out tables as they're they're doing the the live review right in front of them. I mean, that's just high school. That's that's bush league. You got to do better. I mean, you would think Georgia State, as big as they are, could could find the funds to to do that. And I made the joke. They're probably looking for a football stadium to convert into baseball, like they did with Turner Field. I don't know what they're doing. But they got to do better because they're the whole presentation, like you said, from a stream perspective, when you look at other teams in the league, some do it really well and have that same high level. But man, Georgia State was bad. I was shocked me back to the Arkansas Little Rock days at Hogan oh, Field. Holy cow. Oh, it was worse. Has to be. You can't yeah. fit 100 people in the bleachers that they have. there called stands. Bad, bad. Uh, yeah. But no, I was surprised they even had the review, the capability for review. But Troy went into that series. Uh, they had been undefeated up until about five days ago, and they had the number eight RPI in the country, and they got swept to Georgia State. Wow, Jerry, unbelievable. Jerry, I wanted to ask, uh, what you know? Were you worn out this week? I know you had a lot going on, and it's so much to follow. And basketball alone was a roller coaster just in and of itself. So, how was the week with you? I enjoyed the camaraderie of being part of. March Madness. It felt good to finally, you know, be on a bracket. I've been talking about it for for months. It's nice to see Louisiana Louisiana on a bracket. Twenty million people got to see that, or twenty million brackets were filled with Louisiana on there. You can't buy that type of advertisement to to be able to get that type of exposure. And then on top of that, you know, going into the game was I nervous? Not really. I just kind of. It was a wait and see game for me. My, you know, my goal has always been make the tournament and see what happens. I mean, that's March Madness. I mean, you really can't. I mean, you look at, I mean, just think about what fans at Purdue must be thinking right now, being a number one seed, having national championship expectations and hopes only be only to be uh, going home early due to the fact that they got 
you know, upset by a 16 seed in Farley Dickinson, which by the way, shout out to them. What a win. But that, that was kind of my mindset going into the, to the dance was look, we made it. Let's just see what happens. You know, you never know. So watching that game on Thursday night, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but you know, when we made that 13, uh, nothing run in the second half, I mean, I was going crazy and it was like, Oh my gosh, we actually have a shot to win this thing. And then when we lost, as disappointed as I was, I just realized, you know, we went on national TV in front of the entire country and gave a good SEC team everything that they could handle. And so um, just proud of the guys for the effort. And uh, after that, the beauty of Raging Cajun sports is even after March Madness ended for us, you still got the diamond sports to look forward to. So I was like, you know, it's sad that one chapter had to end, but, you know, we had baseball, we had softball, conference openers, and, you know, what a way to to, to turn that the Thursday night around with a sweep in both softball and baseball. And we'll get to that in a second, but uh, just a lot of activity going on. I mean, I'm kind of worn out too, but really, you know, we have another five game week in baseball. We've got more softball to go. Like you said, track and field is in full swing. We had the golf tournament. It, I mean, we talk about football season being full of activities, but man, this year, this time of year has been very, very active and it's been a lot of fun as well. So all of our teams right now are making a good run. So, so far, so good. Keep our fingers crossed. But, uh, yeah, this week was a lot of fun and uh, very, very active for sure. There's so much to talk about, so I'm going to try to be um, crisp and efficient. But before we do that, let's thank the people that help us do the show and make it possible. Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys, the official attorney sponsor of the Razor Review podcast. Offices in Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Charles, Monroe, Shreveport, Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond, and of course in Baton Rouge, their home office. Remember, you have the G guarantee when you hire Gordon McKernan. If they don't win your case, you don't owe a penny, not a dime, a cent, nothing at all. No fees whatsoever. You can call them toll-free, 888-532-1573. Or you can get them on the internet at getgordon.com. Getgordon.com. Get Gordon and get it done. Also, shout out to Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors. Of course, licensed and insured. They are locally owned and family operated. Our buddy Darren Doming and his family and crew are proud alumni and RCAV donors. Of course, Lafayette has been in business with UL for years. They've been the official sponsor for everything from football to baseball, and I can't even tell you just numerous things that they're involved with. Uh, they're great supporters of UL and everything in the Lafayette community, so give them a shot when you can. Remember that they have three different options for financing. They'll find a way to get your job done. Over 10,000 satisfied customers cannot be wrong. Give Darren a call, 237-ROOF, 237-7663, or visit them on the World Wide Web lafayette-roofing.com don't forget the dash patriot steel group another great sponsor of the raisin review podcast guys over at patriot steel group would like to thank all the rcaf donors and encourage everyone to consider giving any amount that you can to support the student athletes and their mission to promote our great university uh, chris russo has been a friend of the pod for a very long time one of our very first sponsors so please patronize the business uh, the founders of patriot steel group have over 100 years experience uh, collectively in the oil and gas industry. So obviously they know what they're doing. They're going to get you a good product at a good price. Please give them a call. Uh, Brandon Gallet or Reed Barbier, 337-443-9296, 443-9296. Or you can get more information on the Patriot Steel Group LinkedIn page. Patriot Steel Group, great sponsor of the Raging Review podcast and Raging Cajun Baseball. So uh, I don't know where to start. I, I, I'll tell you what I'll do. I want to give a shout out first to men's golf. Everybody, look, I'm the golf head around here, so I'm going to give them some shine when I get the chance to. 
Brian, Andy, and Theo are the co- the coaches over at Cajun Golf. Uh, they tried to put together a Louisiana Classics to attract a bigger crowd and get some energy in the tournament. Louisiana Classics are a great – they have been – it's been a great tournament. It's been going on for 38 years now, but it's been uh, – competitors in the tournament have been outstanding. You have top 15 programs in, in year in and year out at that tournament. So they wanted to get more people going through that thing. Uh, I was thoroughly impressed by how they they put on the event. This year they had my buddy Anthony from Uncle T's bring out a food truck. They had shrimp. They had fried catfish. They had all kinds of things. It was complimentary. They were just giving out the food. It was an awesome time. Uh, Tony Sashry showed up with a food truck to give out jambalaya. They had dollar beer at the, the Oakbourne uh, Country Club concession stand. They brought in bleachers around the ninth hole. Uh, the par three ninth, which played as the 18th on Tuesday, the final uh, day of the tournament, really well attended. People were having a great time. It was a great event. I brought the kids. Uh, they loved it. Didn't want to leave. We were there probably almost three hours, two and a half hours. It was great. I mean, really talented golfers, great environment. Of course, anybody out there will re- you know, stop to talk to you. A&M ended up winning the thing. The Cajuns finished fifth overall out of 14 teams, which was a pretty decent showing. Uh, I know it's a home course and you want to you know, you want to win the thing, but look, Texas A&M is, a, I think it's their number seven or number eight in the country right now. The stool across the basin finished four shots ahead of the Cajuns to finish fourth. Look, you had Sam Houston was out there in Cornet Word, who has a great golf program. Uh, many, many more SMU. Great programs, great brand names that you guys would all recognize. They all showed up, played great golf. It was a great event. Weather was awesome. I wanted to give them some shine. They deserve it. From what I was told by uh, event staff, it was the best attended and most lively environment they'd had, they'd had all seen. So that's a great start to get this new format going. Shout out to them. Shout out to all the golfers. Uh, you know, Eli Ortigo had a great showing. The guy from Scotland, who I can't pronounce his name, I'm not going to butcher it. He finished, I think he finished in the top 10. I mean, really outstanding work from these guys. If you can, get out to see a Raging Cajun golf tournament if it's not the classics wherever it is they play the sunbelt tournament in destin that's a great environment everybody knows i mean you go out i think they played at the raven so go check them out if you can it's a fun program to follow they're on the up this is probably the most talented team they've had since i've been following the team for the last 15 years it's something that you want to watch and if you're interested in golf at all i think you'll like the product and i'll also add to that josh the we were talking about the stream for baseball stream for for the golf tournament was fantastic yes thanks for saying that they had cameras out on the course stream team was there all the cameramen and everything that we interviewed last year they were doing the event great event great i'm telling you it was it was top top notch i don't go to a lot of collegiate golf events it's probably the fourth i've been to it's the best i've been to now the question i have did the ski team show up because i feel like if it was rowdy it's because the ski team guys were there and girls i think it's the ski team's out of town but i I may or may not have sent some uh some messages trying to encourage their participation so i don't (laughs) don't know really rowdy had they shown up (laughs) yeah hey not bad for the middle of the day on a tuesday it was it was good it really was a lot of familiar faces out there i watched it from my couch running 103 fever so it was uh it was a pleasure watching yeah, a lot of water balls on the par three ninth. That's a very difficult hole. So it was a good finishing hole uh, for the tournament. I thought it was great. I thought it went off great. Jerry, any thoughts on the golf? I know you're not a big golf guy, but. Anytime you're able to get those type of golf teams over to your golf course and your facility, it means a lot. And it, that speaks volumes for the value of what we have as a golf program. So they do a great job. We've always done a great job putting together tournaments. Really, it's just a matter of. um being able to do it more consistently. So no, I mean, anytime we do something, especially in golf with our facilities that we have, it's always going to be a plus uh, quality. So 
Now, job well done to the golf program and putting that together. Got to do it more often, I guess. No, it was great. It was a cool. It was a cool event. I'm glad they did it. It felt very Acadiana. You know, they had they had Zydeco music out there. The food, of course, the smells, everything. It was perfect. I thought it was perfect. Uh, anyway, I know everybody wants to talk basketball, Jerry. Uh, I know that this is this is more uh, your thing. So I'm going to hand you the floor, and you just take us where you want to go with it, and then Nick and I will comment. Let's start it like how you felt going in, how you felt during it, and then how you felt after. Some sort of flight plan to follow. When I found out we 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 got Tennessee, I, I know I watched the selection show like everybody else, and you know you look at Virginia, you look at Indiana, and and seeing the upsets that we that we had in a lot of those other conference tournaments going into Selection Sunday last week that actually pushed us from a 14 to a 13. So I knew, okay, if you get up to a 13, it's not only great that you move up a seed, but you play a team that's less challenging because you're playing a four instead of a three, obviously. Um, For me, I was a little more curious on who would be the four seed. Uh, I think we had, I think Joe Lenardi had us playing Indiana at one time. I want to say he had us playing Duke at one time. I'm not sure if there were anybody that had us, uh, had picked us to play Tennessee. I think there was like one or two predictions uh, having us play Tennessee. But when I found out that we were playing Tennessee and we didn't have to go all the way to Albany, New York, or somewhere across the country, and it was in Orlando, first thing I thought was, okay, this team can travel, or the fans would be able to travel a little bit easier because Orlando's a pretty common destination from where we are. And number two, I also thought that playing Tennessee, I had seen that they had lost a few games uh, as the season went on to teams that they shouldn't have lost to. For example, they lost a buzzer beater to Vanderbilt. They lost a a buzzer beater the following game against Missouri. I think they lost a few games that they shouldn't have lost that made me realize, okay, this is March Madness. This is that they're vulnerable. That's there's a possibility we could catch them at the right time. So I was very happy that it was Tennessee. And on top of that, their point guard was hurt. So I was very optimistic that if we came prepared and came ready, that we'd have a shot. I knew it was a long shot. Everybody had a feeling it was a long shot, but really what I expected was if we could go up against their defense and create some shots and make some shots and play decent defense, we had a chance playing in the game. I mean, look, I'll just sum it up like this. You, you, you shot 30% from the field in the first half. You went over six from three point land in the first half. You go one for six and you maybe make one more free throw or one more layup. You know, maybe we're talking about the Cajuns and, and, and the Blue Devils, right? Maybe we're talking about the Cajuns taking on Duke because we might have gotten past that first round. That's how close that game was. And and so it was very odd because you had all of these different runs. The Cajuns go on an 8-0 run. Tennessee goes on a 12-0 run. The Cajuns go on a 6-0 run. Tennessee goes on an 8-0 run. And then, you know, back and forth. You don't really see many games like that. It's either, you know, it's more of a this team scores, that team scores, but there were a lot of runs. Um, I thought Tennessee's defense was outstanding. That was their reputation coming in, top five defense. Uh, there were a lot of things we couldn't do. I was a little more, not to sound critical, but I thought our offense could have had a little more creativity. When you play a defense like that, it's almost like, and I know I'm breaking the rule here, but it's like in football, right? Boise State, when they played in the Fiesta Bowl against uh, Oklahoma, how did they beat them? They beat them with offensive creativity. They ran a lot of trickery, Statue of Liberty. They did the lateral. I mean, yeah, Statue of Liberty, the lateral play and all that. I thought offensively here, we could have done more of that. There were a few times in the second half where, you know, Fox is running an ISO and our guys are standing around. Well, when you're playing one of the best defenses in, in the country, you can't do that. But with that said, uh, I thought guys stepped up. 
Jalen Dalcourt played a great A game. I thought, I mean, Kobe Julian, we've been talking about his knee injury. He looked like the old the Kobe of old. Uh, I thought Jordan Brown was Jordan Brown. I thought Terrence Lewis was really good. Um, a few guys there were just outstanding. And and Thamus Folks as 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 our main point guard, he did a great job as a, as sort of that court general. Again, the shots could have fallen, uh, but it just didn't go our way. Defensively, I thought we did a really, really good job. So look, when when and and we actually read there was a lot, there's a lot of video of it when we went on that 13-0 run. Okay, we were down 18 points in the second half. Most teams in America would have folded. At that point, you're a 13-14 seed. Yeah, we made it this far. Down 18, not gonna happen. It was a good year. We'll ride off into the sunset. Just let the clock strike zero and we'll we'll call it a day. This team went on a 13-0 run. And when it was topped by Kobe Julian hitting that three-pointer and to come to bring it within five, I don't know about you guys. So my daughter was sleeping. And and and, and I made a promise to my wife, I'm gonna be quiet. I'm gonna try to be as quiet as it can be. When, when Kobe hit that three-pointer, I'm literally jumping up and down in silence. And literally, like, I had to go outside on my patio to watch the game because I, I was going to scream too much in the house. So I ended up going up outside and watching the rest of the game. And, I mean, I was biting my nails all the way to when the clock struck zero. But, you know, look, we came up short. We played them hard. I, I couldn't be prouder of the effort. Uh, you know, like I said, a few shots could have gone our way. Just didn't get it done. But kudos to this team. Kudos to the staff. They 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 went in prepared. They went in prepared. Played a you know played a good Tennessee team to the wire. The same Tennessee team that beat Duke by thirteen yesterday. You know I know we were all kind of worried about well if we beat Tennessee what about Duke and the Tennessee just I mean they took them to the they took them to town and now the team that we basically could have beaten Thursday night they're now headed to the Sweet Sixteen. It just goes to show you in March Madness everything is so close. It's so close. And another thing. How about the shout out on social media? How about the shout out from around the country? People know the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in basketball. They know who we are. And I mean, I was getting messages from people I know from all over the country. Oh, I'm watching your game, man. The Cajuns are playing great, blah, blah, blah. Had family and up north that were, you know, texting me, man, what, how about the Cajuns? Y'all look good and all this other stuff. That's the importance of going to the dance. You can't buy that type of advertisement. I mean, again, 20 million brackets were filled this year, and Louisiana was on every single one. Not ULL, not Louisiana Lafayette, not ooh la la, Louisiana. You hear that, people? 60 miles away, Louisiana. I mean, unless you put white out on your bracket to make yourself feel better, guess what? Louisiana Raging Cajuns, okay? That, again, you want to win the name game? That's what you do. You go to the dance, you make the postseason, you do what you can to get national exposure. That's how you do it. So, to me, no, I'm not all about moral victories. No, we didn't win the game. But from a branding standpoint, and as far as advertising for your university, that was a win for us overall. You know, I went in a little concerned because um, Foot tweeted something earlier in the day. I guess he had watched a couple of games and he said, look, the rim is tight. You know, the ball's not going in. That's a concern from the three-point line for our guys. Turned out to be right in the first half, right? Um, I'm not a big basketball guy. I don't know... Uh, I don't know the terminology. I don't know the game planning. But what I do know is that if you have a team that is huge and can defend the the inside, that you got to pull them out, right? And you got to force their their card by by hitting threes. And we couldn't do that the first half of the game. Um, going into the game when we started, man, we were so undersized from from a visuals perspective. 
compared to them. So that was my immediate concern is like, holy cow. I mean, the, 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 one of their guys was like seven, three or something ridiculous. Uh, and he could barely move up and down the court, but he hit a couple shots. Uh, but, but seven, three, all he had to do was stand there and put his hand up and, and he's getting a rebound. So, uh, look, uh, impressed by their defense. I mean, again, look, look at what they did to Duke today. Look at what they did to us. They, they're really, really good defensively. I thought, like you said, Jerry, our defense, I, I don't know if they played above their heads or they played up to their potential, but man, to, to hold Tennessee to under 60 points, that is impressive. And I thought they were fantastic all night. Uh, it kept them off balance. If we hit one three in the first half, I think this is it. We're, we're, ha- we're talking differently today, you know, because that, it, it was a three-point game to end it. And, and that's really all we needed to do was hit a couple of threes in the first half and or even a couple of of of, of jump shots. Look, we went like eight minutes at to four minutes at a time without hitting uh, you getting any points. And that's a killer. It's hard to recover from that. So, look, I'm proud of the effort. I I think if you're talking about water hose boys and baseball, well, this might be version two because those guys didn't quit. Those guys never thought they were out of it. They were down by 18 to one point and came back within five and then obviously ended it uh, within three. So very proud of, of what they did. Very proud of what they accomplished this season. Again, credit all goes to the coaching staff as well. We questioned them a lot this season on some of the decisions they made. And look, I was questioning them sometimes during this game and going, what kind of offense do we run? Is it just chaos? Is it just, you know, run to the basket and try to hit it? And if not, you know, try again. So uh, there were things you questioned, but in the end, they lost to Tennessee, who's going to the Sweet 16 by three. Um, and and that could have very easily been us going to the Sweet 16 today. So kudos to them. I love the fight. And please, Josh, give us a chance to talk about the name thing before we end the, oh, yeah. the segment, because... You know I got thoughts that. on that. <laughs> you know me better than that. I'll give a few thoughts and then we can do that. Um, I, I like I like March Madness. I'm not a huge basketball fan uh, as far as like following throughout the season of other teams. I watch the Cajuns, but I don't watch a whole lot of college basketball like I used to. But I do watch the tournament and always have. The tournament is it's it's kind of like you're getting to know your opponent the the first five to ten minutes, and I I think that the smaller the underseeded schools, the underdogs, I think the ones that win do a good job of adjusting to the larger school or the favorite, uh, their physicality. And I thought that the biggest adjustment that the Cajuns, and this was a player situation, had nothing to do with coaching staff, I thought that the players raised their intensity level and matched Tennessee's physicality for the majority of the first half, and I thought that that's why we were able to stay in the game. Now, I think the game was lost when we let Tennessee go on that run to end the half. I think that's where you lost everything. We had like a four or five minute stretch where it felt like a turnover almost on every possession or a wild shot or something was going wrong where we just weren't giving ourselves good opportunities to put the ball in the basket. I thought that that's where the game was lost. I mean, 17 points against a defensive squad like Tennessee with their size and their athleticism, that's almost a death wish. Kobe Julian single-handedly brought us back in that game. He and Jalen Dalcourt actually hit those big threes in that second half during that 13-0 run. They brought us back single-handedly. I was very impressed with how Jordan played smart basketball. He could have easily gotten in foul trouble there. He had two silly calls that weren't even fouls. And I, I'm, I don't even, we could talk about it, I guess. The refs, uh, that was embarrassing. We shot, Tennessee shot 21 free throws. We shot nine in a 40 minute game. A physical 40 minute game, we got nine free throws out of that. 
I thought I thought the volunteers got every call, and I'm not just being a biased homer about this. It it was bad. Uh, you know, you know, our guys are getting mugged in the paint, especially Lewis and Brown. Absolutely mauled. There was a couple of times that Joe Charles got basically slapped in the face. No call. We go down. Jalen Dalcourt touches a short. Oh, foul. You know, that's infuriating. That's the kind of stuff that drives me nuts. You know, if we're going to decide the game, let's decide it on the court. Now, I thought that there were stretches where they let him play, and that's the way it should be. But I think in, in, in key situations, we got hosed a couple of different times. Especially at the end. And I, I, I don't know if end. it made a difference, but at the end, all of a sudden, we're being physical the entire game and, and not being called for stuff. And then at the very end, where it's ticky-tack. It was like it was like Tennessee from 2000 or whatever all over again. It's like, here we go. We get to the end of the game. We're keeping it close. We have a chance to win. God forbid a smaller school wins, you know? Um, so that's what it felt like to me. To complete my thought on that, you know, again, I was impressed with our fight. I was impressed with our physicality and the adjustment there. Big guys made big shots in the second half. The end of the first half, that run, those multiple turnovers, uh, Thamus had it five, and I think four of them were during that run. Uh, Joe Charles had one, I think. It just it just felt like we kind of got out of control a little bit. And I, I hope, I hope, I, I mean, I might be wrong on this, but it felt like they were starting to grasp, you know, because they felt like it was maybe getting away from them a little bit, and they started to press, and it got worse and worse, progressively worse. And again, you never want to let a team go on a run at the end of the half because we felt great about ourselves with about five minutes left in the half. Next thing you know, you know, it's kind of, I think it was an 11-point deficit at half, 30 to 19. You know, that's tough. So you got to give them credit. As far as the staff goes, I thought we were ready to play. I thought we. I thought our game plan was the game plan it's been all year. You know, let Jordan attract the defense, kick it out, try to play good defense. I thought Tennessee was a poor shooting team, if I'm being honest. Uh, I didn't say how I felt before the game. Before the game, I loved the draw, especially with the two injuries for the, the volunteers. I thought the matchup was fine. Uh, I liked the way we were playing going into the game, and I thought that those two games against South Alabama showed me something about how physical we could be as a club, and it showed against Tennessee. Golden opportunity to win. I'm not a moralist. I don't like moral victories. At the end of the day, Jerry, you said it. It was a great representation of the school. You can't be upset about that as a fan. I hate losing, but at the end of the day, you got to take some of the consolation prizes and, and be happy with it. I mean, look, I hate to lose. We should have won the game. I thought we were the better team that night. We didn't. But you never know what can happen next year if we return the core of this, this team. We can be good again. thing for me, Josh, is not, it's not just disappointing. It's like you look at Tennessee, what they did to Duke today, and you feel like you had that opportunity. Exactly. You had, the, you had like the golden ticket to get to the Sweet 16, which we've never done. And so it's like we were so close. We were almost there. And that, to me, is what was most heartbreaking is that we could have and we should have been in that position that Tennessee was in today because we outplayed them for the most part, except for a couple of really, again, those those four minutes of where we just couldn't score for some reason. And look, it wasn't like we weren't taking good shots. Shots were going in and out. Like there was one point where we took three shots in, the, in a row and it did everything possible except go through the basket. And that's so frustrating. It's like the basketball gods are looking down at you saying, nah, not today. You know, I think the big difference is that when you play a team like Tennessee, they've been there before. You know, the postseason is common for them or more common than it has been for us. And they're more trained when they play in the SEC against, you know, just better competition. I think they were able to handle that better. That's the difference in the end of that first half that you saw. I, I noticed we and I told that to a few of my friends on Friday. I said, 
we kind of looked a little nervous. There were a little bit of jitters there. Uh, we were forcing some shots. We were trying to do too much. And I think that's where a team like Tennessee takes takes advantage of that because they're, they seemed a little more calm. They seemed a little more settled. Even when we made that 13-0 run in the second half, Rick Barnes calls a timeout. What do they do? They score. So that, I think, was the difference. And I think that was a little bit of an obstacle for us. But that wasn't our fault. It's just you're playing – when you play a – a top five seeded team, you're playing a team that's experienced. You're playing a team that has been there before where we're, we're the newbies. We, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're getting our feet wet for the first time in nine years in the dance. So you're, you're, I think the difference was in those four minutes and in certain parts of the game, I thought that really in the first half, we tried to do a little too much. We were just forcing things. And I think what made the difference was, I think in the locker room, coach Marlin probably told the team, look, Yes, you're down 11. You've been here before, but you've seen you could go toe-to-toe with them. You've seen you can play with them. You belong on this court with the Tennessee Volunteers. And I think that's what we saw in the second half, and that was the difference. So, you know, like you said, Nick, looking back, it was a little frustrating. Man, we could have made this shot. We could have done this. You know, it would have been nice to shoot a little bit more than 30% from the field. But at the same time, I mean – hopefully this could be a lesson moving forward, maybe next year and and the year after that, when you start playing teams like Tennessee again on your schedule, these players who experience this now can realize, okay, I can settle down because I'm just as good enough to compete with these guys. So, you know, it it happens. And I think most of the the, the lower seeded teams experience that the biggest difference is your shots going in. I mean, and that, like you said, Nick, those, there were a few shots that just rattled off the rim and you're thinking, like the Cajun Dome or in a Sunbelt game, most of the time that's going in. So can't fault them. It happens. But um, I like the fact that our team just kind of woke up and realized, okay, we're we're good to compete with them. And that's really at that point, besides winning, that's all you can really ask for. Because if you can't do that, you don't put yourself in position to win. We put ourselves in position to win the other and look, night. You said a few times during your, your piece there about – how it was new to us. We haven't done it in a while. Now we have the opportunity to follow up. Let's follow up. And I'm not saying you got to do it next year, but in the next couple of years, while you have that experience, now is the prime opportunity for us to get to that sweet 16, get our win, get there. This is our chance. I don't want to hear excuses that we can't, like you said, Jerry, the can't the culture of can't, we're not doing that anymore. We did it. And we know we can, so the expectation is every couple of years, we should be in the dance. We should have that experience that Tennessee has in the next couple of years to go back and do it and this not be a foreign thing for us. So let's not make those excuses as fans and say, oh, well, we we tried our best. We're not doing that anymore. Let, let's, let's use this as a springboard for the future. That's all Agreed. I got to say. Agree. And uh, nobody's really talking. I haven't heard anybody say that we did all of this without what was our best, our second best player for the entire year in Greg Williams, not being healthy, struggling from the floor. And I thought I thought a big adjustment that Bob made was putting in uh, Dalcourt for big minutes and he started making shots. Austin, it is all yours, sir. Please take it. Appreciate it. Yeah, I uh, I was actually lucky enough to get to go to the game. It kind of all worked out perfectly. I had a long weekend uh, off from work buddy of mine uh also ul alum lives in tampa so i flew down and stayed with him great experience uh i will say it's it's definitely one of those things that's it's super different watching the game live versus watching it on tv there's certain things you pick up on more and vice versa 
I mean, personally, I was not like shocked, but at the end of the game, just looking up and saw that we only lost by three. I mean, because there was such a large chunk of that game in the second half where we were, it felt like it was, it was slipping away. I really didn't feel like it was a close game, but yet we lost by three, you know? So it, it was, it took some perspective to the time away from after the game ended to kind of put everything in focus. But I feel like what really hurt us, well, I love the draw, especially with the injuries. And you could tell not having their point guard Ziggler, they just looked lost. I agree. On I agree hundred percent. And, uh, I thought, uh, you know, I thought we did play good defense, but they definitely looked lost. I mean, you, he's normally the guy handling the ball, led their team in assists. Um, I mean, we gave them, they, they missed a, a good bit of open looks that we gave them. So I think we got kind of lucky on that end. Um, but I just, I mean, to compete with them, I wouldn't say they had depth as a team, but they had depth specifically in size at the forward position. I mean, they had enough guys and not like, Sometimes you see your typical, maybe like a group of five big where, oh, you know, he's six eleven, seven feet tall, but he's built like a twig. No, they had guys that were, they had one guy, the Serbian, that was seven one, but he was built. I mean, not guys you can push around. So I think they were really well equipped to guard us down low. And I don't know, there was just a couple of things. I mean, the refs definitely didn't help. That's not why we lost, but. You could tell they made things hard for us in the first half, and then it was almost like they kind of got out of the game in the second half. Like we started hitting all those, all those shots, and then they were like, "Okay, that's enough." You know, <laughs> they kind of had to step back in at the end. It felt like, um, but I don't know. I don't feel like we weren't prepared, but I feel like in-game adjustments. You could tell it was like every time we went on a run, and Tennessee would call a timeout when we tied it up at nineteen. They called timeout immediately, 11-0 run. Same thing in the second half. We got it back down to five. They called timeout, stopped the run right there. Um, I don't know. I felt like we could have done a better job of maybe even adjusting to the refs. I, I felt like we should have gone attacking the basket more to try and force the issue. I know that it hurts not having Greg Williams being 100% healthy because that's something that he's really good at and picking up those fouls and picking up those and ones. Uh, I thought Jalen stepped in and played great for him, but I don't know. Like I said, it was weird because I felt like we were getting beat up and down for a while of that game, but then we ended up right back in it. So I think looking back on it, that was definitely a positive to take from it was that we showed that fight. Um, but it was weird because we weren't in the game for long stretches of time. But yeah, I had a great, great time there. Great experience. That's awesome, man. It was definitely a game of runs, and I agree with you. There were times where it felt like we were getting blown out, and you look up, and we're down eight, and we're down six. And, and it was because we, we had sustained runs multiple times in that game. And I'll add to that, Josh. Yeah. I had I had several friends who who are from the, the team across the basin, and they were watching the game, and they were like, man, when y'all went down like 15 or 18, I just turned it off. I thought y'all were out of it. And and look, it was a, it was a little tempting for me, too, to be like, I'm going to bed, but it 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 really was a game of runs because it was it was back and forth and i don't know that you see that that often in in the tournament you usually have a team i mean there may be a couple of runs but then there the 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 higher seeded team usually just blows them out at some point and then you're done this was this was different this we felt like we were in it a couple of times and we were out of it and then we we're back in it it was it was different 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it was just that the up and down nature of the game was what made it feel weird. It wasn't like it was close wire to wire. It was kind of one team playing good stretch and then kind of alternating. But yeah, the only really thing I felt like I thought we played great defense. We we did what we could on offense. I think like that 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 stretch at the end of the first half that killed us. Like you guys said, I just thought we pressed too much, and that was kind of one of those things that I was shocked just not seeing the live stats that. I was shocked to see at the end of the game that folks had 11 assists. I mean, it really didn't feel like that. And it felt like he played terrible because it kind of all just came at like one time. Yeah, that's, uh, he had like four turnovers in like six possessions, and it, it, it really left a stand on the game. There's no question. Like, because we were still playing great defense in there. I mean, we held Tennessee scoreless for a period of six minutes, but it was that we weren't scoring on our end to kind of make up for that. So instead of taking the lead, it took us, that whole six minutes just to score like eight points to get it packed up. And I, I felt like their defense was kind of frustrating us. And instead of continuing to like fight and be patient, there were a couple of times where we just kind of got in our heads and we started pressing and just made dumb turnovers. And they had a, I think they ended up with more turnovers than we did, but a lot of their turnovers were dead ball turnovers. You know, they just threw it out of bounds or something. A lot of our turnovers were turning it over in transition or leading to direct opportunities and you know, right. not all turnovers, not all turnovers are created the same. So Agreed. we didn't really, we didn't get any kind of their turnovers didn't lead to fast break or live ball opportunities for us. And the only other thing I wanted to say was that I felt disappointed on offense because there's been times this year where we've been guilty of just kind of throwing it into Brown and then everybody else just stands around and watches him get double or triple teams. And I don't know if, they were doing something different than we thought they were going to. I know that they were doing a really good job of doubling. They were doubling from the weak side, which meant that it was harder for Brown to pass out to get that outlet pass. It wasn't as easy a pass like it was against South Alabama where they were leaving folks wide open right behind him. It was harder for him to find that outlet. But at the same time, the rest of the guys on the floor, it seemed like they were just standing still. I mean, we needed to get more action to try and make that an easier pass, and then actually be able to hit a three. Yeah, there wasn't much action uh, on offense, especially from the guys without the ball. And to your point, Tennessee had 18 turnovers. The Cajuns had 14. And by the way, our season average is 12. So, you know, it, it just felt like it came all at one time, and it made, it, it made you feel differently about how it, how it looked. The other thing is about, you said, the, you know, made the comment about attacking the basket and their size, Tennessee's size. I felt like we made an attempt to attack the basket, but if you remember, Lewis missed a few layups. Uh, Thamus missed a few layups, and I think that's the part where they got frustrated and started to press. And the other thing is that the lane was so crowded with size and, and the way that they were defending Jordan. We weren't picking up those little loose baskets that, that uh, Lewis typically puts in. You know, get you four, five, you know, four or six extra points here and there. None of that was to be had. I don't think we had many offensive rebounds, maybe four, four or five total. I'll look it up. But all of those things contributed to the game for sure. Yeah, appreciate you guys letting me in. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Anybody have any finishing thoughts? I've, I'll probably read off some lines and then we can move on. But great comments by Austin. I, I, I agree with pretty much everything. Their size was a problem. They could throw a bunch of different guys at, at Brown. And I agree that the shooters sometimes, instead of cutting and slashing, they were watching Jordan play. I, I think that that's a, that's a good assessment. I went to a uh, adopted dog brewery to watch the game with a bunch of Degenerates was great. Had a great time. Uh, they stayed open for us because we stayed and were loud and watched the game and uh, 
place was pretty packed well into the night. So that was fun. So shout out to Ryan and Tracy. They do a great job over there and uh, they, they really put on a good show and, or they put out a good product, I guess is what I should say. And uh, shout out to everybody who went. It was cool. We kept them open and it was, it was a lot of fun. It was fun to be around Cajun fans that really want to see an event like that. Of course, we're Louisiana splattered all over CBS and it was great. And we'll move into the name just as soon as I'm done. But I wanted to give them a shout out. If you haven't tried Adopted Dog Brewery, go give them a shot. Uh, give them some business. Regardless, you'll have a good time. There's always Cajun fans in there. They're, you know, everybody's wanting to talk sports. So I just wanted to say that. And look, when when the Julian run happened, which by the way, again, he he was the single reason at about a three-minute stretch in that game while we were even in it. So that was awesome. He's had so much in his career to deal with. I'm just happy that somebody like him succeeded and did it on a national stage. It was fun to be a Cajuns fan, brother. I mean, not many times you can say that it's fun. But that run and the idea of that comeback and what it meant and what, have, what it could have been, it was fun to watch that happen. So I don't really look ahead right now. I, I'm still in the post-mortem. We had a great run, and it's over. And I'm just glad that Cajun basketball feels like it's back. It was good to see the fans really buy in again. It was, it was good to see how many people cared. It was great to see our name all over the place. That makes it exciting to be associated with Cajun basketball again. And to me, that is the lasting impression of the dance, of the team, of everything. Uh, it doesn't matter if we struggled in January. That's all under the bridge for me now. This is the new standard. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is the most recent thing I'm thinking of. Whatever happens next is just, it's going to be its own thing. I'm going to have this and I'm going to bottle it up and I'm going to keep it. And this is mine. And plenty of people deserve credit for that. Uh, but I love Raging Pageant. I, look, I'm a big proponent of Raging Pageant. They're on there talking about Bob's future. I'm sorry, poor taste. I think that that's ridiculous. If we're, We have got to be able to support our own when they succeed. We wanted them to make the dance, regardless of your feeling. If it's not personal, regardless of your feeling, he did what we wanted him to do. Now, we could have won the game, and I think we should have won the game, but it doesn't matter. It was, that was Lanyap at that point. The man accomplished the goal that he was given. I'm not saying anything. Like I said on the board, it's his program to run until he makes me doubt again. But at this point right now, Cajun basketball is the healthiest it's been in a very long time. I'm happy with that. I'm not saying that there's not going to be criticism. I'm not, going to, I'm not saying there's not going to be, uh, uh, you know, us holding him to account or whatever, however you want to describe it. But right now, I'm, I'm going to hold this, and this is mine, and I feel exactly like this, and I'm going to feel that way going into next season, and next season is its own thing. And then we can talk about the name. Nick, take it. Look, and I'm going to agree with you. Look, dude, I was I calling for Marlon to be fired last year? No. I don't, I don't hope or call for any, any coach to be fired. Now, was I disappointed when we retained him? A little bit because I felt like it was time for a change. But, and the numbers bear that out. And, and the numbers the, bear that. And, and that's look, the don't get, conversation. Don't give me the winningest coach thing. Tommy Raffo is the winningest coach at, at Arkansas State, and he has an, a sub-500 record. Don't give me that. Well, Richard at ULM is the second winningest coach in Sunbelt history. But look, and that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. from Jerry. I'll but give look, him the credit on no, that. No, he is. He is. I like Marlon. I like the dude. But last year, I was a little disappointed. I thought we needed to go in a different direction. Guess what? Magger was right. Give him another year. We'll get. Look, we're in the tournament. That's what we wanted. That's what we aim to be. And again, like you said, Josh, we're going to hold him to the same standard this year as we did last year, as we did the year before. We should expect to compete 
to be in the tournament every single year. Sixth place in the Sun Belt ain't cutting it for us. Name thing. Let's talk about that. Can't wait. You you know you win. You know you've won the battle. When all fans from across the basin can say, when you're performing and, and, and keeping it competitive and nearly beating, which we should have beat an SEC team. Whoa, whoa. A team that beat them in that dump that they that play in. That creamed them, by 18 by the way. points. Yes. Like 21, 21. Get it well, right. 77, 21. The only 21. thing you got so is, oh, well, they're ULL. It's all you got. When that's all you've got, you've won the battle. We won the battle, boys. We've it's, won the it's, battle. And it's over. And I'm not talking about, look, I've got plenty of friends who went to LSU and graduated. And you know what? They were texting me after the game going, hell of a game, man. Wish y'all could have pulled it off. And they call us you well, they call us whatever. You know, no disrespect. It's not them. It's guys who live at their mama's house, living in the backwoods swamp, that have never set foot at LSU, that don't even know how to spell LSU, that are playing World of Warcraft till 3 a.m. with a GED. It's those people who have never been to the school, who sit there and go, it's U-L-L. You can't even spell it, bro. There's a guy who misspelled it uh, literally on Twitter. Telling me how my team, my program should brand themselves. That guy is the authority of sports branding in in America. And they have so many of those people. And that's what's so funny to me. But the point is, we won. Because if that's all you got, then we've won the battle. So congrats. It's been 20 somewhat years of us battling for this. And guess what? We got it. And guess what? They can't take it away from us. Good luck. Send you a little faxes to CBS. Have fun with that. You know, the greatest, you know, people got mad about the L apostrophe Ziana. It, it looked ridiculous. Look, don't get me wrong. I don't like it. But it just showed me how far CBS was willing to go to make it known that it was Louisiana and not ULL and nothing else. They actually tried to spell it out <laughs> in the abbreviation. Oh, man. People across the basin were pissed. The meltdowns including, were including amazing. Mike Scarborough, the, maybe the most fraudulent human being ever born uh, USL dropout, now the creator of the Tiger Bible. God, that was awesome. Because you were rejected from us because we said, no, you can't do this. And so he went to the other school and said, oh, let me do it for you. And they were like, all right, dude, go right ahead. That's what, that's how people like that get into those positions is because we're like, nope. And they said, well, come right ahead. And then all of a sudden, they're the Bible of Louisiana. Look, you're you're... you're I, I was arguing with, I, I need to stop arguing with people on Twitter, but I was arguing that, oh, we are, we are the flagship. Guess what? The flagship of Louisiana, the flagship. You want to talk about flagship? Let's talk about flagship. You have the lowest uh, endowment of the entire SEC. You want to talk about joining the SEC? You're on par with South Alabama. You should join the Sun Belt if we're talking about those numbers. You know who the real, the best educational as far as schools in this state are? It, it's, it's Tulane. I mean, they've got a, a billion plus endowment. They've got national. They're they're up with Princeton and Harvard. One so don't come at me with this educational AAU stuff. Schools. Just because AAU. you have more students doesn't mean you have a higher standard of of learning. And so don't give me that. We are education wise, we're on the same level, bro. Don't give me that. The only reason you are what you are is because the graduates that you have open their pocketbooks and give you the money. Oh, plus the 60 million from your SEC media deal helps a lot, right? 
it, that's, it's just amazing to me. I, it, it's just, it's yeah. all funny to me. And again, it's not the good people. Like 60%, 70% of the people that I, I interact with from that school are totally cool. It's it's the people living with their mama playing World of Warcraft at 3 a.m. who think they know everything and can't even spell the school's name. I'm my, my favorite, though, is whenever I – like, and look, I'm with you, Nick. I got family that went there. I got friends that went there. And actually, a lot of them, they know I'm a Cajun's diehard. And so they they kind of follow what we're doing, and they'll compliment us and stuff. And it's funny because when I see people on Twitter that will go out of their way, they don't – like nobody drags them into the conversation. They go out of their way to make those comments. Well, somebody – I was reading on the Razor Review Twitter account – or forgot where what somebody was saying something about well I, I just come in to let them know that they need to know their place well you think you think anybody really cares you think we can't like okay oh my gosh some random guy in in somewhere backwards louisiana has to tell us like what are you the 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 the, the authority of our name you you are branding authority it's You're because guy they're not the center man. of the conversation it's because it's, they're not the center of the universe and somebody else is getting attention that they're not getting god forbid they are not the center of the universe they hate that well and the thing is too is like i love the argument well if you it, why won't you play an sec schedule let me tell you something dude you give us your money Give us your money. Give us your budget. Give us, you know, the the sixty million dollar SEC SEC TV deal, and let us build those facilities and recruit to that. Give us about two or three years, and guess what? We probably could play your schedule. It's not, you know, when 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 money is able to buy you facilities, when money is able, you know, when when you're in a conference that automatically gives you sixty million dollars, which is almost double our entire athletic budget, just because you're in a conference. It's a lot easier to be able to build something off of that than say someone like us that has to scrap for what we get. And yet we still have more success in certain years than you, especially in basketball, by the way. Oh, and by the way, you want to talk about uh, you want to make fun of our basketball program and say about our Louisiana brand. Well, maybe if you wouldn't have cheated and maybe if you wouldn't have got caught and committed, what is it, five or six level one infractions with the NCAA? Maybe if your coach wasn't wiretapped by the FBI admitting to paying players, maybe you could have gone to the dance. And maybe you wouldn't have had to replace your entire team and go two and 16 in your conference. And maybe you wouldn't be the one that would have to basically have to start from scratch. That's not our fault. You know, we did look to coach Marlon's credit. He said it after that NIT game against them. He said, look, I'm going to run my program with class. And he has, he's run our program with class and guess what it's gotten us. It got us to the dance. And meanwhile, your coach who wants to call his timeout is now in Lake Charles trying to get people to go to his basketball games because he got fired because he got, because he, he cheated for you. So you know, all this stuff about know your ball, oh, know your place and all that. That's the most, that is the most backwards. And I love this state, but that is the most backwards Louisiana mindset. Know your place. You know what? Know our place has gotten in Louisiana. We're dead last in education. We're dead last in economic growth. We're dead last in like everything that's good because of that attitude. So when you say stuff like know your place, that's just and it, that, what that tells me is you base. Oh, and then they always say the great state of Louisiana, the great state of Louisiana. Look, man, I love Louisiana, but that attitude, that attitude is why we're dead last in everything. So guess what, guys? Competition is good. You actually, you want us to succeed because competition is good because guess what it does? It gives your school a, a good swift kick in the rear end to say, you know what? We need to be better and not be so complacent. You want to talk academics? Again, you're dead last in the SEC, man. And in hey, well, our research dollars are more than theirs. Our research there dollars, they have, so they have one go. of the lowest research uh I don't know if it's the budget overall, but uh, money produced from research, it's the lowest in the SEC. It's less than us. Look, UL man. makes more money on research dollars than LSU does. That's a fact. 
at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'll just say it like this. Without and by the way, my bad for using the three letters. I'll put my money in the swear jar. I meant that school across the basin. Okay. Well, I'll I'll say this, and I'll end, I'll end my side of the of my comments here. Don't worry about what we call ourselves. Your school has a lot more issues that you need to fix on that side of the Mississippi River than what what we brand ourselves as. Okay. Don't worry about us. Worry about you. You have a lot of issues at your school right now that you need to be fixing before you worry about what some other school in the state calls itself. Look, that, that speaks just, to my educational point that to, I was talking about. To put a bow mm -hmm. on it, the school across the basin is the typical five foot six, small appendage, large truck of the state. It screams insecurity. You should just get a vanity plate that says insecure. That's what you tell me. Every time you get upset about what somebody calls themselves, it shows how insecure you are. But Josh, let's and just, you know. And and I know you want to wrap this up, but I'm just going to say, look at Tulane last year. They made it to the Cotton Bowl. We were excited for them. We were giving them kudos. We were excited. We were, you know, we were saying nothing but great things about Tulane. What were the fans across the basin doing? Ah, well, this well, is a joke, do. Dave. They played an SEC schedule. They wouldn't get blah, 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 blah. Why can't you support the people in? You're supposed to be a state, the leader in the state. Support other state schools. We do. We, we well, except for the one in Ruston because – that's a whole different story, but just to say, Nick, you don't even have to support them. Just don't try to drag don't them down. Don't say anything. No. Dude, UL's killing it right now, academically, and as much grief as we give the athletic program, it's, it's, don't focus on the grief, because the good is way bigger. We, we're, we are a niche market where, you know, certain things we need to fix in order to continue to grow as a, as a program. That's what we do here. But overall, the program as a whole has never been healthier academics is killing it we're acquiring land i mean we have a honestly we have a real shot at a medical school a law school possibly in the works down the road we have a ton of things going great for us here at ul i'd much rather be on this side of the base i can tell you that because i think they've already topped out over there you know anyway that, that that's a whole other podcast before we move on to baseball because we did do some diamond uh sports this past week that we got to get to i want to give a shout out to the basketball managers who finished their season five and oh were undefeated they had a little bit of a uh, March Madness on Twitter and the way that they do this manager game, uh, the, the, how they determine who moves on. They they have these polls on Twitter where the fan base is, uh, they vote for whoever, you know, the Cajuns were voting, or we were voting against Lipscomb to try to get the managers into the Final Four. The, the schools that make the Final Four for the managers, uh, they actually go and play a tournament at the Final Four. So we were trying to get the guys across the finish line. It wasn't. It, we didn't do it. I mean, look, we had Dez involved. We had all the football coaches involved. We had men's basketball, official Twitter. We had, I can't tell you how, I mean, Alfred Payton chimed in. So that's how big it got. Over 5,000 people voted. We didn't pull it off, but we suspected there was some fishy stuff going on with the Lipscomb account. They all of a sudden started jumping up by 1,000 votes, 500 votes, 300 votes. So we got hosed a little bit, but I thought it was worth shouting out. And maybe we'll even get the managers on here to talk to us about it when uh, when uh, episodes are lean during the offseason. But good bunch of dudes, uh, seemed very likable. We got to uh, exchange some messages with them, like them all, 5-0 and season, pretty cool. The manager games to me is a, is a cool little wrinkle in college basketball that probably not a lot of people know about. So shout out to the Cajun managers. Uh, cool season and uh, cool thing. I, I kind of bought into the whole manager. They got thing. screwed. I felt for man. Yeah, that's not cool. I saw the screenshots. A thousand extra votes. Come on, man. We were tied. Then all of a sudden, a minute later, Lipscomb gets a thousand extra votes. Are you kidding me? Flips, are you kidding me? Thousand fans, so come on, like, that man. makes no sense to me. Our no, our, I mean, our managers and, uh, and Lipscomb, okay, they had over five thousand votes. 
They had some P5 schools with less than a thousand votes. Come on. I, I know there's something about that, man. There's something fishy about that. I'm sorry. Uh, I, no, there's something fishy about that. Anyway, baseball. A Jackson State came to the Teague and basically beat themselves. We didn't really have to even show up to win the game. Uh, they only made two errors, but they probably made like five more somehow or another that don't weren't counted. Uh, I don't know how many walks. Let's see. Six walks, two errors, uh, several free base runners that ended up scoring. We only got two, uh, excuse me, four hits off of their pitching staff. Midweek at that, a little bit worrisome. I mean, they threw out five guys. Their starter went one inning. You know, it was it was rough. Uh, any thoughts on Jackson State? We don't have to spend too much time on it because there's a much more interesting game that was played the night after that. Uh, I was not too thrilled about the offensive attack against Jackson State. Any thoughts? No, I'll just say that they always, I mean, play us tough, which is weird. I mean, it's Jackson State. They they beat us in a freaking regional in 14, which pissed me off. I actually, so true story, in 2014, regional game, beat us the first game. I drove home all the way back to Baton Rouge that night. I was supposed to stay at my parents. I was so mad I went back home. I, I didn't even want to be anywhere around Lafayette. So, um, no, they always play us tough, and um, we struggle against against the against off speed pitchers and um that was that was the the story of the game but we found a way to win and we won seven nothing so I can't really complain. Yeah Gary? you put a four spot up in the first inning and yeah cruise from there. For me the pitching staff was the highlight. McGee looked really good. He struck out two, no walks, which is my favorite thing, only gave up a hit. Cooper Rawls comes in and gives you five. One hit baseball, one walk. Other than that, I mean those are the biggest highlights. What did you think, Jerry? It's just one of those weird Midweek games. Um, when we went up four nothing, and when I saw JT hit or John Taylor hit that inside the park home run, I'm like, oh, because again, I was I was sick that day. I'm listening to it in my room, and I'm just like, at that point, if if we're getting inside the park home runs and scoring four runs to start the game, I'm like, well, this game's over already before it began. But then as the game went on, we we didn't really get many hits. We didn't score many runs after that, and I'm like, eh, it's kind of kind of like we're sleepwalking to the finish line. But it, it was a cold night. It was kind of a weird night. The crowd really wasn't into it. It was just kind of a game that was there. But I, but, but, you still have to win those type of games. Um, because That's why if I, you hate lose them. It, I hate those. I mean, look, if you lose, it's, it's an RPI killer. You, it's you an RPI learn nothing killer. because the, the the opponent's nowhere near your level. You go out there and right. you're sleepwalking. You never know somebody can run the ball out of the ballpark and you lose the game. I hate those games. I hate them, it especially pads. when the weather's bad. You nobody cares. It pads your record, though, so I think we were able to get, you know, getting that extra win was nice. But at the same time, I don't really – the pitching was great, like you said, but I, after that, I'm kind of like, what else did we really learn from it, you know? Um, I, I, if there was anything, I was more concerned about the bats because of the following day going to Biloxi. I'm like, we're not going to be able to hit like this against – beat Mississippi State hitting like this. So I was glad to get the win, but I, I we just kind of slept off. Yeah, I mean, I, there's really not much else to say about it. Agree. That's that's it. I mean, I'm glad we won. That's it. I, we looked like we were sleepwalking at the plate. Didn't love the approach. Whatever. We struggle against guys like that. It happens. I get it. Uh, but anyway, the Cajuns beat Jackson State seven to nothing, and basically Jackson State beat themselves. I said that at the top, and that's what I think. I really didn't have to do much. Uh, Max had two hits and three strikeouts, which is the most Max thing ever. Uh, it, it, once he feels like he's starting to come around, he's got everything forward. He's swinging at pitches out of the zone. Poor Max. He's one of my favorite players, but we got we got to get some consistency out of Max. Uh, anyway, the next day we go to Biloxi, like Jerry mentioned, and we take on Mississippi State, who I was surprised uh, was not ranked. 
and I know that they're not really all that good of a team, but they're SEC, so I figured they'd just throw a number next to their name, you know, for the hell of it, because they're supposed to do it, right? I mean, that's how the SEC rolls, baby. Just means more. Cajun starts Sam Hill, who I thought looked really good for three and a third. Gave up two hits and two earned runs. He did walk three, which ultimately is why he got pulled. Couldn't throw strikes for a minute. He struck out one. What did you guys think about Sam Hill? Uh, curious to get your thoughts. We really didn't talk about it that much. No, I think he he over... I'm not going to say overperform because obviously they recruited him here for a reason. We didn't but know I think anything he, about him. My, my expectations were, were very low because I didn't know anything about the guy. And uh, I think he performed well until he got into trouble. And then when he got into trouble, then we had to pull him. But it, it went down quick. Like, he could not find the strike zone. And when he got to that point, like, he was throwing it everywhere. So um, I think uh, kudos to, to Seth and the... Uh, the, the the staff are realizing, hey, it's time to time to get him out of there, and they did. But I think he put us in a position to win. Um, and uh, he, I mean, he didn't go that deep into the game, so I'll back up with that. He put us in a good position to to compete, and I just don't think offensively we did what we had to do to to win the game. Um, but that's not on Sam. That's not on the pitching staff. We got to do better than hit. What, what was it? Four two was the final score. Yeah, I mean you got to you got to do better than two runs in midweek against Mississippi State, who's not that great. They they had one good pitch. Well, he was he was okay. He threw really hard, but you, we didn't know where the ball was going to end up. Are you talking um, about dome at yeah, the end? Yeah. Are you about, no, they started Colby Holcomb, who I thought was actually Holcomb, pretty okay, impressive. Okay, you're right. You're right. Holcomb was good. Holcomb was good. Yeah. Um, outside of that. I, I thought we had opportunities during that game, and we just didn't take advantage. So, Jerry, did you have any thoughts on Sam or, or Holcomb? Uh, Holcomb was a national junior college uh, first team All America. Uh, I think he won a national championship too. I thought he I thought he had good stuff. I mean, that was his first start. He'd been coming. I think he had six appearances before that game. He was coming in in relief, kind of got tagged a little bit. He had a six ERA. You don't really know much about him in in limited uh, appearances, but I thought he was fine. Obviously, we didn't do anything against him offensively. Yeah, I'll start with Sam. I really, like you said, I didn't know much about him. Um, but I thought the first few innings, I mean, he was wheeling and dealing. He actually pitched pretty well. Uh, again, like Nick said, I think it got to the point where once he started kind of getting into a little bit of a, you know, a rut, it, it just kind of snowballed from there. And I think that's just lack of experience. I think sometimes when you're, I mean, your first start is against Mississippi State, uh, you have to have, um, you got to have the, sort of that fire to be able to keep you going. And I just think it kind of went out. But um, for the few innings he pitched, I thought he did a great job. I mean, I was very surprised because I didn't I didn't know what to expect from him. I didn't know if he would have gone in for one inning and just uh, gotten rocked or, you know, if he would have gone in for a few innings and given up six runs. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, he, he did a good job for his first appearance. And um, I'm hoping that uh, – Coach Deggs and, and Tib and those guys use him a little bit more in the midweek because I think he he looks like somebody that has potential to get better. Um, as far as uh, Holcomb, I mean he he was good. Uh, I I don't there was nothing really about him like that. He didn't really throw anything fancy. There was really nothing that we couldn't hit. We just couldn't get on base. I noticed we made some good contact on a few of his pitches, but we just couldn't put the ball in play and, and get base hits from him. Um, there were some opportunities we had with him um, against against his against what he threw at us but um for the most part i mean he's he was good he was a he was a good he was a good solid uh sec pitcher and and 
I thought that Mississippi State, you know, they pride themselves on pitching, but at the same time, we we didn't really capitalize. We had opportunities when we were able to get on base uh, a few times, and we just we couldn't score runs. And I don't care if it's Mississippi State or anybody uh, in our league. If you can't score runs or if you can't get get those runners home, it doesn't matter. You're not going to win. And I thought that was kind of the epitome of of Wednesday night where, you know, we had a few good base hits. We had some guys that were able to had some had some discipline and we actually made some decent contact. But just, you know, when you play a team like Mississippi State, it doesn't matter if it's a weekend series or a Wednesday night game. When you have opportunities, you, it's imperative that you capitalize. I mean, it is a must because against a team like that, you really don't know how many opportunities you're going to get. And I just thought we blew a lot of chances on Wednesday to score some more runs and really have a chance to win the game. I mean, we still had a chance to win the game in the eighth inning, but, I, you know, it was just one of those games where you you, you scratch your head going, man, why, why can't we finish the job? Yeah, Jerry, and I'm just going to say before I turn it back over to you, Josh, look, timely hitting, I think it was what we were lacking um, because Hoodie was Hoodie. He does what he does. And Ben Robichaux, man, that I feel like that was his coming out party and and he continued to perform through the weekend. Um, so so kudos to those guys. It's just the the hits, the hits were there. They just weren't timely. They just weren't when we needed them. And I feel like we had the opportunity. Those gaps were big, man. And, and Mississippi State did a good job of hitting in the gap where where they could get a two or three bagger and we just didn't do it. So um so yeah, they did what what we couldn't and um ended up winning the game. I agree. It was it was one of those old fashioned road games, you know, timely hitting just wasn't there. Uh per Jeremy Moody, who I'm assuming that uh is connected to a Moody on our current team, possibly, says Sam Hill has a national championship as well. I did not know that. Thank you for telling us. Uh, obviously, he's capable. I thought he had good stuff. I know that uh, he had some injury issues. Pretty sure that's correct. Some injury issues in the fall, so we didn't know much about him. Uh, I think that's correct. I might be thinking about somebody else. But regardless, uh, Sam Hill had good stuff. He kept him off balance early. He did everything you wanted him to do uh, to get you off to a good start against a freshman. Well, he's a sophomore. Holcomb's a sophomore. But he's not a guy who started any games for Mississippi State. So if you come out of the gate with a solid first three, four innings, you feel like you can get some traction and, and start getting some runs on the board. Cajuns ultimately got 10 hits, uh, scattered 10 hits, single runs in the fourth and the eighth. We left too many people on base. We had nine left on base. And again, just strikeouts and big moments and unable to get the runner home with less than one out, uh, with uh, less than two outs when we had guys in scoring position. Absolutely frustrating. I know that you want to get as much opportunities uh, or as many opportunities for young guys in these type of midweek games. I just hate when we don't coach to win. And y'all can get mad at me for saying that. I don't care. We don't coach to win these RPI games anymore. Now, Mississippi State's RPI is like 60 right now, but they're going to play in the SEC. So by default, that RPI is going to be in the 20s at some point this year if they even win an average amount of games, which I thought they were a pretty average team from what we saw. We didn't see dominant pitching like we've seen in the past when we played a Mississippi State or an LSU or whatever. They did not have dominant stuff. Now, Nate Dome, he was good. I mean, he was touching 97, 98. He had one pitch, but that one pitch was very good. So... Overall, it was a lackluster game. Nick mentioned Ben Robichaux. I thought Ben Robichaux was uh, the biggest thing to come out of that. Went two for two and in his two official at-bats after he came off the bench. That guy's a gamer. Had some big at-bats. I called them big boy at-bats on the Raging Review account. I thought that he stood in there and he looked the part. And obviously, we'll talk more about him this weekend. He got inserted into uh, the leadoff role this weekend. So, you know, I'm all about Degs going with the hot hand. I'll be honest with you. I, Nick will back me up. When they released the lineup on Friday, I was not happy that Ben Robichaux was starting with leading off, but I stopped and thought about it, and I said, you know what? He had some of the most encouraging at-bats 
in that game against Mississippi State where I didn't think we put up much of a fight. So you know what? What the hell? Let's let's give Ben Robichaux a shot and see what he can do. And uh, we'll get more into what he did this weekend after we move on from Mississippi State. But overall, look, Tommy Ray came in, ended up giving up three hits and an earned run, but he got some really big outs in a very pressurized situation. So I give Tommy a lot of credit. Uh, he did a good job coming in. Carson Fluno continues to look like the part. Pitched an inning in two-thirds, absolutely nothing given up, and he had a strikeout. I think Carson Fluno is rounding into somebody that you can absolutely rely on out of the pen. I think that he looks the part. I like everything he does. David Christie came in, two hits, and an earned run and a walk in two-thirds of an inning. Again, we say it all the time about Christie. We know what he can do. We've seen him do it in spurts. I need some consistency out of David Christie. I know that you can pitch, buddy. Just I got to see you do it two or three times in a row. Ben Tate comes in for an out, does really nothing else. I guess that was a matchup. And then we go to Moody for an inning. He gives up a hit and a strike, and he gets a strikeout. Again, this is just me, and it's not anti-Dags. I'm just asking questions. Why do you go to Moody there? It's Wednesday. His throw day, I think, is Thursday. Somebody made the comment, that, oh, you know, what's the difference if you throw a bullpen or if you throw him into a live game? And I get that. I get it. But we all saw what Moody did on Saturday, right? So I didn't second guess. I'm saying, why did he, Why do you need to go get Moody right there? Uh, you well, know, that, that just pissed me off. Like, Now, look, if it was his throw day and they wanted to use him as a live bullpen, okay, totally wrong on that. But I think his throw day is Thursday. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I know it pissed you off when they took Fluno out because we wanted to win the game. So I think maybe there are situations that the coaching staff is looking to throw people in that maybe we don't understand. Um, well, there's a hundred percent. There's a hundred percent chance of that. Yeah. So there's. <laughs> I'm not a coach. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. So I'm a fanalist. So yeah, I think. Look, do I do I like it as a fan? No, but from a coaching perspective, if you're thinking in in their terms. Maybe it makes sense. We don't know what what thought process goes in their head when they're making these decisions. But I go back to like like I said, Fluno, Christy. Why are you putting Christy out there after Fluno's been so good? It's situational. They're trying to plan for, I guess the 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 conference season, seeing in different situations what different pitchers do. Hopefully, they got their answers because I'm ready for it to be expected. I'm ready for us to understand. Like, we know what the situation will be, what it calls for, what pitchers they're bringing in. Right now, we're kind of in the dark. Hopefully, we're at the point in the season where we can understand that a little bit better. Because it's frustrating for us not understanding the thought process, right? 100%. And to Justin's point, he said stress pitches Stress pitches is the difference. You're right. And that's why I question the move. Because right then and there, you need Moody to hold that two-run lead. You, you don't want to get any further behind. He's throwing stress pitches. It's not like a bullpen where you're going out there and you're just basically warming up. I mean, Agreed. you're getting loose, and, and you're, you're ramping up all the way to 100%. The stress pitch is the difference, and that was why I questioned the move. So overall, I thought it was a, look, again, we gave ourselves opportunities, didn't cash it in. Amity got in that bat. You had Wilkerson in the lineup. You had, obviously, Ben Robichaux, lots of guys. Uaz uh, got in there. I get it. I, I want to see, look, it's going to pay, pay dividends later on in the season. I totally understand it. I, I'm with it. I just can't stand as a fan. This is me taking off the analytical hat and the coach hat. Like, I understand that they got to look at it a certain way. As a fan, I hate coaching like that. I want to put the guys in position that you know you can win with on the road in a game that the RPI, the RPI is really going to be looked upon later in the season on like a Mississippi State. If you're able to get that W, I, I don't know, and we'll have to ask Brian Benton, but a neutral site win versus a true road game, I know it's a little bit different, but it's not a home game, and I know that 
uh, that plays into it big time. So I, just from a fan standpoint, I would love to coach to win those games. I think there's a there's a catch-22 to that because if you really think about it, and I know Tony Robichaud used to talk about it with Andy Groh, right? They pitched him against LSU, or sorry, I'm a in the swear jar, right? Uh, the, the school across the basin in 2000, it was a midweek game, I believe, at the old Alex box. And uh, I remember he told a story one time of fans were going, why are you pitching him? What, what, you know, we want to win this game. And he got rocked. I mean, I think Tony had to take him out early in the game. Nick, you probably remember, but they had to take him out early. He got, he got, he got beaten pretty bad. And most fans were going, well, why, why did you pitch him? You know, he's an off-speed pitcher. At that time, that was Skip Berkman's team. I mean, they're playing gorilla ball. They're mashing everything to left field and right field and, you know, all the way across uh, Nicholson Drive. But then he actually got to experience that. And when it was time for him to play game two of the Super Regional in Columbia, South Carolina against the Gamecocks, the number one national seed, look at what he did. So I kind of understand sometimes why they tend to play those those guys, um, you know, the bench players maybe or the backups or play some guys that usually don't get enough play time because you never know when you're going to need them. So I understand that approach. On the other hand, I'm with you, Josh. I do think that, you know, in a game like against Mississippi State where you're trying to help your RPI, uh, you still got to win. You still got to beat them. I mean, you want to win every game, but that's a game you have to win. So, I mean, like this week coming up, we have Grambling on Tuesday, right? Grambling, their RPI is like 290. That would be a game I would think you play guys like 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 the guys you had mentioned, right? Well, Give them play, a chance to start. You played Jackson State the night before. You played right. Jackson State the night right. before. And the other thing is it's not necessarily the pitching. Like, I'm sure people raised their eyebrows when they saw that Sam Hill was getting the start. We don't know anything about him. It makes sense to a fan. You know what's going on here. It's not just that. It's that, and we're gonna Johnny Allstaff this thing, and we're gonna play musical chairs in the lineup. That's what that drives me nuts. Do that against Jackson State. That's what you play those games for, not against right. an RPI boost in Mississippi State. I don't know. And this is not a knock on any of the young guys. I, I, we have been very pro young guy. I think some of our young guys have been some of the more <laughs> dependable <stepping> players. <laughs> so but, it's but, more. It's more to me that. There's chaos everywhere. It's not just the Johnny Allstaff. It's musical chairs in the lineup and that. And that's and I what think, I mean. I think what I think, and then look, I can't read the coaching staff's mind. I'm not them, but I think also some of it is the fact that they probably want them to get that experience against a team like Mississippi State only because you just never know when you're going to need them. I mean, if you like, say, for instance, we play Southern Miss in Hattiesburg the last weekend. You may need one of those guys to step up and pinch it if somebody else goes down. Knock on wood that it doesn't, but you just never know. You, we may, you know, in a regional, we may need one of those guys to step up, and you want them to have that experience of playing in an environment like that. So I, I guess I get it, I understand it, but on the other hand, I also want to win. So it's kind of it's a, to me, it's a catch twenty two. It's kind of like, what do you do? Which 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 more important? Do you want to get the? Do you want to win that game, or would you rather? Let these got younger guys experience that. So when the time really comes to win a regional game or a chance to maybe, you know, maybe go to Omaha, when they step up into that batter's box, do they have the mental capacity to say, oh, I remember this time, you know, back in March when I was in Biloxi playing Mississippi State in, in a sellout crowd in a minor league park with all people wearing maroon. It wasn't so bad. So it's kind of a, 
again, I look at the story of Andy Grow. I mean, look at what it did for him. I mean, his performance against South Carolina, if he doesn't get rocked at Alex Box, maybe he's not pitching like that against South Carolina. Maybe we don't go to Omaha. So well, I don't know. It's, Andy, it's a, it's Andy a, was also a nightmare matchup for that lineup, and it was a brilliant move by Tony. It was beautiful. Uh, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was, but look, still. Here's the but thing. Still. They played in front of 5,000 people in Biloxi. It wasn't like they were at the dude, okay? So that's one but, thing. The other thing is, I will say, if your RPI is, is not – Say you have a higher RPI because you beat Mississippi State and you're in a better situation in the postseason. It gives you a chance to move on even even more. Nick, you break the tie. But here's the deal. Let's get Brian Benton on because he explained this to you and me, Jer uh, Jerry, earlier last year when we were talking about RPI. It doesn't always benefit you to win in certain situations. It's all about how you schedule and he went into the molecular detail of like scheduling RPI and all this stuff. And it doesn't necessarily mean that if we won that night that our RPI would take this huge hit up. It doesn't because it's a neutral side game against a, an okay RPI team. And yeah, they may go up and down, but there's so much more into that. And and Brian himself told us he consults teams on how to schedule and how to play and what games mean what. If you don't think our coaching staff is tied into that some way, shape, or form with somebody giving them RPI guidance, then then I think we're crazy. I, I think they are tied into that. I think they understand the impact. And it seems like, to me, it meant more to them to get experience rather than the win. So that tells me they know something maybe we don't have. We aren't privy to understanding the true impact of things, how they progress down the road. So I'm just going to say that Brian would probably be a better authority on that and tell us how it impacted us more than I can. But I think I, I feel like they have the, the the understanding more than than I may have on what this impact truly was. I'm looking at it. I'm playing devil's advocate here because either way, I you know, I still want to win the game. But at the same time, I do get that some of these guys get experience. I mean, I, again, I know we want to win every game on the schedule, but there's a, probably a different line of thinking that the coaching staff have and that has in that dugout that we don't know. I mean, look, Josh, you played baseball at one time. You were around the program. You know, Nick, you're around the program. I've been around the program. But at the same time, there's there's a science to it. There really, when it comes to RPI, one thing that Brian proved to me is that there is some crazy, intricate science to all of this that is so beyond like what how fans think that maybe there's something in the background that, like you said, we really don't know why they do what they do and why maybe. Dag sets the lineup the way he does against a game in a game like this. I don't know. Well, whatever it is, it's freaking infuriating. I just want to win. Uh, Kyle DeBarge continues to be in fuego. Had three hits and an RBI. And uh, Mason Zambo. Zambo. Mason Zambo had the Zambo. other. Zambo. Zamboni uh, had the other the other RBI. Hood, Hoodie, of course, continues his assault on college baseball pitching. Had two hits. U.S. had a hit. Uh, and I think that wraps it up. No, we, we mentioned Ben earlier. Two hits. Two for two and two official at-bats. So some good things came out of that game. Uh, it wasn't a victory, but we played hard with a lot of young guys. Pitching staff did what they had to do for the most part. Uh, you know, you like a few of those walks back, like we always say, seems like every week. Uh, but Cajuns fall to Mississippi State 4-2 to two in Biloxi in front of 5,816 fans at the MGM. And by the way, how did y'all like the 5 o'clock start? Yay or nay? No. Uh, no. No. Yeah. No. no. Man. I'm good. Too early. Yeah. I mean, it's way too early for Jerry. He can't do anything before 8 o'clock. That's yeah. very true. I know. 
Well, the good news is I can have my TV on while I'm playing dad. So, uh, but no, I just didn't like the early start. I mean, I like I, it's, I'm more of a traditionalist. I like the six or six thirty or seven o'clock starts that we're used to. I know, I think like the Wally Pontiff classic used to start at seven or six thirty. I know a lot of times if we play SEC schools, they usually start because of SEC network, uh, six thirty. We always start at six, you know, I'm, I'm just look, used to spoiled. the later start. We're spoiled. So my brother went moved my nephew up to uh, D.C. earlier this month. And uh, Coach Chef at Virginia Tech was coaching like an hour away from D.C. So they he was thinking about going to Blacksburg, watch a game. The game was at 1 p.m. on like a Wednesday. So my brother was like, why are they having games at 1 p.m. on a Wednesday? Because they're not as spoiled as we are. Our fans show up for the games. So it matters that we play later in the day. So... Um, you know, 5 p.m., I, I mean, I'm not going to complain too much, but I'd rather it be in normal normal baseball times for me. I, I'm guilty. I didn't even look at the starting time, and the only reason I found out we started at 5 is because you texted me right when the game started. When it started. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so I missed the first few pitches. After that loss in Biloxi, we came back home to sweep Arkansas State like we should have. You know what you do with a bad team, Jerry? You abuse you sweep them. them. You, you abuse them. them. And that's what we did. So Friday, uh, not only did we hang 15 on that team, we scored seven in the first inning because of, in, in large part, to the worst baseball that these eyes have ever seen. That was some of the worst defense. Seriously. It was, it was Bad News Bears Little League stuff. Uh, four errors, I think three of them were in the first inning. Really bad. But to me, it wasn't even the offense I expected to abuse that team. Jake Hammond, seven innings, four hits, no earned runs, no walks, 10 Ks. You needed that. He needed that. And and look, he's actually performed well so far. I mean, he's really solidified his Friday night role. But in a game like that, where you really have to respond to a disappointing loss to Mississippi State, I mean, this team came back guns blazing. I mean, seven runs in the first inning. Jake just, I mean, he was just mauling batter after batter, you know. And that's something that's – it's kind of expected. Not, not to say expected when you play a team like Arkansas State, but it needs to be done, you know, because there have been times where we've played some lesser competition and – you know, we have expectations of, of pitchers and they just don't perform. So I thought Jake uh, solidified that Friday night aura about him and, and he was able to get it done. So Agreed. You know, great, great performance by Jake on the mound on Friday night. Nick, yeah, what you see out of Jake? I'll echo that. Look, Friday night games that we've played so far, Rice, BYU, Campbell, that, I, I feel like that gave us a good opportunity to to get some – get some pitches out there, get some experience out there. And I think it paid off this weekend. And look, Arkansas State is like 245 in the RPI. So I'm not saying they're world beater. Trust me, I know they're not a great team. Um, love Tommy Raffo. Think he's a great person. Not sure he's going to see another year um, at Arkansas State after this year. But uh, it, it's it's great to see him be, be that good in that situation. Um, we, need, we need that. We needed to see that going into conference play and it's just a good omen for things to come so uh great to see it this weekend agree ben robichaud gets inserted as the leadoff hitter he has two hits and two walks and his on-base percentage is now a bajillion uh they can't keep him off the base pass he has great at bats he doesn't swing at bad pitches uh, he's just very disciplined at the plate for a young guy he's got great presence about him i really like him debo continues to smoke he had two hits had an rbi and five official at bats rock gets a hit Landry Wilkerson was inserted later in the game. Didn't get a hit, but did get an at-bat. Hoodie continues uh, his assault on college pitching. I'm going to just keep saying it. 
He has now reached base safely in every game that the Cajuns have played this uh, season. Luke Juhas gets in, gets a hit. Zambo, two hits, an RBI. Julian Brock, uh, he had two official at-bats and didn't do much. But what's good about that is that he had a, he got a break. You know, you saw Clay Wargo come in on Friday and get his first ever uh, college base hit. Uh, so that was a cool moment. And he got an RBI with that later in the game. So good to get Brock an, a rest because you know how it is with catchers, man. You can't run them into the ground. Glad to see that Clay Wargo came in and got a hit. And uh, they were his parents and everything were very excited on Twitter. We got a lot of messages thanking us for giving a shout-out. So that was cool. Uh, John Taylor continues to have really good at-bats for this team. Two walks and a hit. Uh, Will Vayon still struggling at the plate. I think he's down to like 140. I don't know what's going on with Will. Uh, maybe that injury is a little bit worse than we expected. You know, credit to him for trying to trying to play through it. Connor Higgs, big time grand slam, like big bopper stuff. Hit it way out. That was I. I, just, I gotta see Connor Higgs get more at bats because once when that guy figures it out, he has stupid power and he adds a, a, a element to this lineup. Especially if you can insert him in the six seven slot, turn over the lineup after the the top of the lineup takes their hacks, you turn that thing over, and you get it to Higgs with men on base, that's a terrifying uh, thought for, for pitching uh, on the other end. Let's see. Max had a hit in five at-bats, did score two runs, and uh, did strike out twice. So, you know, that kind of pattern continues. But, but anyway, look, Jake Hammond was spectacular. Uh, he gets better and better each week. I love him in the Friday role. He showed you again. And look, Arkansas State is not a bad-hitting club. They're not great by any means, but they got a couple of guys at the top, top of the lineup that can really hit. Uh, Braden, Cross, Jared, all those guys can really hit. Uh, they showed it to you Saturday, and not necessarily Sunday, but you saw what they could do on Saturday. And look, they had one in the fifth, they had two in the eighth, one in, one in the ninth. They continued uh, to fight back, and you think going into Saturday, they had to feel good about themselves because they had plenty of opportunities later in the game uh, when Christie and Couch came in. So I didn't know how to feel going into Saturday, but I knew that Arkansas State probably felt good about their team uh, anybody have any thoughts on the offense? I was just going to say, for Arkansas State, just to put it in perspective, they're like one of the top 10 teams in the country for doubles. Like, they hit doubles, and they showed against us, right? They might not have hit a whole lot, but when they did, it was doubles. So they can hit the ball, like you said, and we did a good job of containing the, the damage. But before the season started, my brother said, hey, those young guys, they can hit the ball. Trust me, they can hit it. It's just a matter of getting in, them into the lineup, having the opportunity for them to be in the lineup, and them taking advantage of being in the lineup. And I think we saw that this weekend. And look, John Taylor, I'm a fan, man. That dude can not only hit. Let's talk about his defense. Are you kidding me? Oh, his defense has been the best me? part of his game. And I'll say the same thing for Zambo. Zambo's been killing it at first base. Insane. So that is good to see. Um, Wilkerson... Didn't have a great weekend. I think his defense cost us a run today. But um, other than that, man, our, our young guys are really showing up and they're taking advantage of the opportunities. And I, I really like to see that. And Higgs got the the grand slam on Friday night, right? Oppo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a left field. Holy cow. Are yep. you kidding me? All that dude does is hit. I need to see more Higgs. I agree with Aaron. He just said he needs to see more Higgs while Vaughn's struggling. And look, if it is an injury and it's holding him back, that's fine. But Higgs is putting together. Now, he did have a bad at bat today where he missed a sacrifice, and I know Degs is going to jump his ass for that, and he should. You got to get the ball down right there. We have got to execute small ball better. It's not good right now. The running game looks a little bit better. We got we to gotta execute better. But as far as just his approach at the plate and putting the ball in play, Higgs is having some really nice at bats. I got to see more out of Higgs. I love the fact that 
when you when you have a big lead like you did Friday night that those guys do get to play. Like you said, Nick, it's next man up. When Degs' teams, what they pride themselves on is it's, it's always going to be next man up. I remember in 2014, and I know 2014 is hard to compare to, but it's the same principle. Uh, I remember one game we had, like, I think we played Tulane that year. We beat them 16-0. to zero, And I want to say, like, I think it was Evan Powell. He really was kind of one of those guys that would come out late in the game with a big lead. He goes out against Tulane, hits a three-run home in the left field. I'm seeing the same thing with this team. You got guys out there on the bench who are waiting to get their turn, and when they go, when they go get their turn, they really shine and they and they get it done. And that's something that that that's as a fan, I love it because it goes to show you, like you said, with Will Veon kind of struggling a little bit and Connor Higgs coming in and hitting a grand slam. You, that, that, there's there's good programs out there that don't have that type of hitting depth, and that's something I think that we have that we can actually take advantage of and capitalize on, especially now that we're in conference play, that's going to be huge. So I was very happy seeing guys like Ben Robichaux, which by the way, I mean, that look, I love Max, but Ben as a lead, as lead off, I mean, he has to be lead off from now. I mean, he's, he's a true freshman. He's gotten on base like numerous amount of times. He's not afraid to, to take on pitchers. He's, he's, he's legit. Uh, you got JT that solidified his role at second base. Like you said, Nick, his defense is unbelievable and he can hit the ball. And then on top of that, you got, I mean, just to name a few, you still got Peyton Lejeune. You still got, I mean, Landry Wilkerson, we'll talk about him uh, on the Saturday game, but seeing him being able to get some at-bats, I mean, Caleb Stelly is Caleb Stelly, seeing Juhas get in. I mean, all these different guys that have stepped up, we already know our, our main our main lineup, but seeing these guys step in as of late in the last couple of weeks and seeing them succeed, that is so big. That's so big because, like you said, Josh, that like someone like Clay Wargo who went in for, for Julian – some of the, some of our starters can get a break. They can get a break, and you know the guys behind them can can step up and 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 get it done. So that's one thing I got off of Friday night. I know we're going to talk about Saturday as well as uh, today's game, but Friday night that's one thing that really kind of confirmed in my mind. Wow, we have depth. We have depth, and that's going to be huge now that we're in conference play going forward against some really good competition. Feel good about the depth. Uh, you mentioned Caleb Stelly. I forgot to say that he had a pinch hit single uh, in his only at bat. 14 hits for the Cajuns, 15 runs, and we did commit an error, which you never want to see. And it was by Taylor, and I hate it for him because he's just been so, he's been sparkling on defense. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how much of a defensive specialist he is, or was, or was thought to be. But I always heard everything about John Taylor uh, was at the plate. So to see him play a good, st- a steady, solid second base, that's great. That's a great development for this team. He's having great at bats. He's putting together consistent games. I got to see more out of him. Uh, Saturday, the Cajuns entertain the Wolfpack once more. And just like Friday, we put 13 runs, 16 hits. Uh, we did commit two errors, which we got to clean that up, but I'm not going to harp on it too much. The game changes when you go up by a ton. The game was a little bit closer than that, though. It felt kind of weird. First two innings, you know, it's nip and tuck. Nobody's really doing anything. They had Hunter Draper in there, and, you know, he's the kryptonite type pitcher for this offense. But, Arkansas State puts together a four-run inning, and really they kind of hit Brendan Moody hard for his two and two-thirds. They kind of hit him all over. Now, Degg said that they felt like he was tipping pitches. I was surprised at how how good of contact Arkansas State was making off of him because we haven't seen that from anybody, mostly in Moody's starts this year. But they got to him in the third. They hung four on him. The good thing about that is the Cajuns come back and score four more in the, in the bottom of the third, and that's something that we always talk about. Good teams respond. The Cajuns just... They have a knack for responding, and they did it in the third. They come back to put a single run in the fifth, 
two in the sixth, another four spot in the seventh, two in the eighth. So right there, you score four innings in a row to close that game out and you know put Arkansas State out of the misery. You win the series easily, 16 more hits. I mean, now Arkansas State did get 10 hits, but five of those were with Brendan. And uh, Cooper Ross comes in, throws two and two-thirds, looked great, about as good as you've seen him yet as a Cajun. Uh, I'm really starting to have a lot of faith in Cooper Ross. I think that he's giving you a great weapon out of the bullpen. He looks good. He might even be able to make a midweek start. If you guys remember, I think he went like seven strong against La Tech last year and looked unhittable. So Cooper Rawls has that in him. Carson Fluno again comes in, three and two-thirds, two hits, one earned run, no walks. No walks. Beautiful. Overall, we only walked two guys for the entire day. I'm never going to complain about that. I'm happy with that. Overall, feeling on Saturday, fellas. I mean, Debo eight. He's he he had a great great day at the plate. Julian Brock. I mean, come on, man. Absolute nuke of a grand slam. <laughs> you knew it was going. Absolute. The I mean, that was insane. As the soon, entire stadium stood up gone. as the ball hit the bat. I mean, Dude, it made I told a different you. sound. I did too. And I'm sitting at home. And as soon as I saw, I mean, I didn't even hear it. I just saw it hit the bat. And I'm like, ow. And I stood up and I'm like, gone. And I think yeah. I went to get another drink or something. I don't know, whatever I did. But it was <laughs> uh it it was a great offensive performance. Again, uh Moody didn't have his best day, and that'll happen. I'm glad it happened now <laughs> and not in the you know, in the tournament later in the season. I think he'll be fine. Um, but, but no, that happens fine. if he was and, tipping, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And look, Rawls, like you said, came in and did a great job behind him and, and really stopped any further damage. But I think as a whole, just seeing our offensive firepower, uh, the first couple of games was encouraging and, um, look that I, again, we got some dudes on that, on the roster and we got some dudes in a lineup and great. And look, I mean, I'm going to say it again, Ben Robichaux. I mean, it started at Mississippi State, and he continues to to swing a hot bat. So uh, you got to ride it as long as it's hot, right? Yeah, Agreed. I mean, look, you go down four runs, and you know, to your to your point about how they lead the nation in doubles or top ten in doubles. I mean, look, they were hitting some gappers off of Brandon or uh, Brandon early on, and I mean, they got those four runs. My first reaction was more or less, "Uh oh, you know, we're down four nothing. Is is this going to be something that's going to become a thing of of of?" of just our days. It's one of those days. It just happens. Right. And and they just were able to get hits and the way we responded offensively. I mean, they score four runs. We answer with what, 12, 13 straight or something like that. That's just a mark of what good teams do. I know mean, when you, when you, when you put your head down and realize, okay, now we're, they came to play. Now we got to play too. That's what we did yesterday. And um, just job well done by the bullpen. You know, you're going to have games like that. You know, Brennan had a bad game yesterday. It happens. I think, I think moving forward, he's, we need him. I mean, he's still a great pitcher for us, uh, but I think now it's like you said, it's good that he learns it now. And then later on in the season, he'll just, he'll just improve and get better. So I'm not worried about that as much. I just love the fact the way the team responded when down four runs, because it just goes to show you, they knew, they were better than this team, and they showed it. Shout out to Landry Wilkerson, first home, first career home run. That was nice to see. And that's, once again, plays back to what I said about our guys off the bench. I mean, they're coming in, and they're getting hits, and they're, they, they, want, they want to have some fun too, right? So, um, again, that's very promising. Uh, both Friday and Saturday, it was very promising to me of seeing the depth we had. Uh, as far as uh, the grand slam by Julian, I mean, Julian hits it. 
My first reaction, I told you guys this in a text message. I'm like, look, my first reaction was, okay, he obviously is going to hit it out the park. Is it fair or foul? And when I saw the, the Arkansas State left fielder just kind of stand there and watch it go, I'm like, then my next reaction was, was it into the pine tree or over the pine tree? Because it was such a no-doubter uh, that it was such – I mean, it, it was a beauty. And look, when was the last time we hit back-to-back grand slams in two days? The swing power of this team right now and what we saw, I mean, that was – I mean, we hit four home runs on Saturday. Well, four. the wind was blowing dead out, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 miles an hour to left field. So that, but still, man. That, that did help, but I just want to be fair. It's a hard park to hit out of, man. I mean, look, the Teague is not an easy place to hit home runs. And and the fact that we got four home runs was nice to see, but it was just nice the way we responded. You know, we didn't, you know, we get behind. It didn't matter. They score four runs, we score 13. So, I mean, what what more could you ask for at that point? Oh no! I mean, look, they they got to hit into the same win that we did. So, uh, I just like to, I, I'm messing with the guys. Basically, is what I'm doing. Wind was blowing out. They're gonna say, "Oh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad." <laughs> no, it was it was blowing straight out. Anyway, uh, stop me if you've heard this before. Ben Robichaud, two hits. Uh, Kyle DeBarge, three three more hits and five official at bats. Rock, no hits, but he did impact the game. Had an RBI, scored two runs, uh, and walked twice. He and- Hood continues to hit. What By the way, name? terrible strikeout call on Rock in that game where the ball was like eight inches off the plate and called him yeah. for strike three. Yeah, the zone, the zone all weekend was just dumb. Terrible. And the thing about Rock is like Rock's not going to challenge a call. Like it, it, he's not one of those guys. Like he's competitive and he's he's focused, but he he's an old school baseball guy. Like you're not if you. He doesn't seem like one of those players that will challenge a home plate umpire. And I mean, he was, well, he, he it showed that. he, he yeah. wasn't happy. So that's all to me. That's on the umpire. If rock is challenging you at the plate, because he, I, th- I kind of consider rock kind of one of those classier baseball players. That's like, you know, he, he I, I, how can you describe it, Josh? Like, um, uh, no, he's a stoic guy. His Sto- personality yeah. is stoic. He's stoic, but he had a grimace on his face. <laughs> well, he had a grimace. That's true. <laughs> But that's but to me, that's on the ump. I mean, you cannot call something like that. I mean, come on, man. Come on. That was terrible. No, it was, was terrible. Bad. That was and bad. then to continue, Landry Wilkerson hits the two-run bomb. Peyton Lejeune is his uh, RBI knock. I can't remember if it was a double or a single, but he hit one right down the left field line. It was beautiful, uh, perfectly timed. Uh, we needed it at that point. Zambo, two at bats, no hits. Uh, he did have a strikeout. Luke Yuha's got a pinch hit, didn't do anything. Julian, of course, with the missile, he had another hit. Uh, Trailer Fleur gets in, gets a knock. Uh, we need, I got to see this guy kind of get, get it going. He's had a rough beginning to the 23 season. So good to see him get a hit. Clay Wargo got a, uh, he got in the game, but did not get an official at bat. John Taylor did not get a hit first time, I think, in quite a while. Will Veon, he did end up getting a hit in, uh, on Saturday. It feels like everybody got a hit, but good to see Will get a knock. Connor Higgs hits a bomb, gets another hit. Shock hits a shot out to left field, and that's all the hits for that day. Saturday was just good to see a lot of guys swinging a good bat. 16 hits, 13 runs. Um, the Red Wolves did get 10 hits, like we said. Look, Brendan Moody's going to be fine. I got no worries about that. If he's tipping, they'll get it fixed. It's no big deal. He's still been one of our most consistent pitchers. Overall, it was fun to be at the ballpark on Saturday. Home runs are fun. Jacks break backs, all that stuff. And the Cajuns win a game. Of course, that's always what we're there for. We move on to Sunday that featured probably the best pitching performance we've seen at home in maybe two years. Uh, Jackson Nezu. Nezu have confirmed via family. Nezu. Not Nezu, not Niza, not Nezu. 
Nezu. I'm sure we'll screw yeah. it up. Neza. Neza. Okay. Okay. Not Neza. I've I've heard <laughs> Top and and Jay will say four different pronunciations in the same broadcast right next you know, back 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 to back to each other. And it's it's like what is this guy's name? Find out what his name is and say it right. So I had to, I had to get on the soapbox about that. But absolutely sparkling carries a perfect game into the seventh. Unfortunately, walks the leadoff guy that he that he saw in the seventh, and then uh, ultimately gave up a hit after he had walked a guy. And then you know the walk came back to get him. But if you're going to give me that kind of performance on a Sunday, we're going to be very hard to beat at, at any point in the season because typically Sunday you got to swing the bat to win. And we didn't necessarily do that today because their guy that they had going was very effective, Kyle Carmack. I mean, five shot. He had five solid, four hits, no earned runs, walked three guys, struck out four. Then they brought in Butts, Erwin Butts. He goes three solid, four hits, two runs, one earned, a base on ball, and two strikeouts. But oh, we needed two guys today. We needed Jackson Nezu and Blake Marshall, who came in, kind of made us worry a little bit after he walked that leadoff guy. But then, of course, he gets a double play and uh, gets out of it with uh, with no damage done. I did not expect this performance on a Sunday. I thought, you know, we'd come out and score 10 more runs and then we'll just, we'll end this thing on a high note offensively. But credit to Arkansas State starter. I mean, he did a great job. We get, we did absolutely nothing after that first, uh, at that run in the first inning. We did nothing for five innings and uh, that was directly related to his pitching. Great performance by him. Our guy was just a little bit better today. Yeah, it was almost like reverse pitching. You know, when they pitched a Friday night starter on Sunday, um, it felt like that. But look, Nezu for lack of a better term, struggled the first couple of games of this, this season. So I think a few of us were questioning, is this a guy? Is this the right guy? Is he, is he really our Sunday guy? He proved it. I think the last couple of starts, he proved why they recruited him here. He proves why he is a division one Sunday starter. Um, so credit to him, man. He, he did what he had to do. He got better as the season has progressed. And uh, I, who, whoever was on our account that, tweet out, hey, don't say anything. It, it's all your fault because he had a perfect game going into, what, the seventh, and somebody said that. Yeah, um, don't say anything. Don't jinx it. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not going to say. Look, we came on here and we harped on efficiency because we've been, you know, a couple of times Jake's into the fifth and he's throwing 105 pitches. So we, we made a big deal about that last week. One thing that Jackson did today, very efficient. He threw 108 yeah. pitches in eight innings. You yeah. know, I think you learn two things about Jackson. I think that you learn that he has really, really good stuff. And when he puts it together consistently, he's pretty damn dangerous. And, I mean, look, again, Arkansas State is a good hitting lineup. So they didn't do it against a bunch of scrubs. And then number two, you saw Seth go out there in the seventh. They let him finish, and then they sent him back out there for the eighth. That tells me they, they trust him. So you learn those two things about Jackson today. What I like about Jackson is, like you said, Nick, he's getting better as time goes on. I think the, uh, you know, against... I believe it was Rice and then BYU. He kind of struggled a little bit. And then I think to me, his coming out party was against Campbell. I think against Campbell, you know, he gave up a few hits as time went on, but at the same time, he was able to maintain. And he did it last week against High Point. I think he went four, four strong innings. Um, but then today he goes eight. So uh, you definitely want to see progress in any of your pitchers, especially a weekend starter. I think Jackson has gotten better each week. And the fact that he's getting better now when conference is starting is huge. Um, when you have that anchor on a Sunday, especially when you're trying to clinch a series or if you're trying to get a sweep like today, that's that's very beneficial. And so I thought he did a great job today. I mean, a fantastic 
fantastic outing overall. And, um, you know, I believe he, he was a transfer from where, Josh? Was it Florida State, Josh? Florida State, yep. There's a reason why Florida State was looking at him, right? So anytime a school like that looks at you, you obviously have your stuff. And it was great that he was able to land in our lap and he's able to do what he did today because that's that's going to be huge for us going forward. So, no, I mean, hat tip to Jackson. Great performance on the mound. We're definitely going to need more of that as the season goes on. But, um, you know, compliment to him. But also, I thought the I thought hitting-wise, we still got enough. I mean, we had a decent amount of hits. We just couldn't score them. I mean, we had a, a bunch of guys in, in a scoring position. But it was just one of those games. It was one of those odd games, like you said, Nick, where it felt like a Friday night game where you have opportunities. But it was just a pitcher's duel. But we just happened to have more runs than him. We were able to get the timely hit when it mattered, especially I think it was in the bottom of the eighth. We got that extra insurance run. And then you finish out with a double play with Blake coming in. And look, to Blake's defense, you're not going to – I mean, every single one of Blake's outings have been fantastic. You're not going to You're not gonna pitch uh, A-plus games every single time you show up. But he was able to do just enough. As Tony would say, he minimized the damage. They get the double play. He closes them out. We win the game. We get a sweep. So – you know, it wasn't it wasn't the quote unquote the sexiest game today. You didn't have home runs flying everywhere like you did the last two days, but you still did enough to win the game. And so that look, this weekend overall, to put a bow on it, this was the weekend we really needed. When you play a team that you're pretty much better than, you 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 have to show it. And I thought we did. And going into this week, now you have Grambling on Tuesday, Southeastern on Wednesday, then you got, you know, you go in your your first solid road testing on over a month. This was the type of weekend you needed, and I just – I mean, there's really not much I can say other than that. I mean, there's really not much to complain about right now because we just we just played a – it was a good weekend of baseball. You got to win different ways, and we did that this weekend. You came from behind, you dominated, and then you had a pitcher's duel. So you got to do that to be a good baseball team. Arkansas State is not one, and what do you do with bad teams? You abuse them, and that's what we did, and I'm happy about that. Uh, offensively, Ben Robichaux, again, a hit and a walk impacted the game. Debo continues to, to sizzle. He got a, a hit and three at bats. Rock didn't do much um, today. He kind of took the day off, I guess. But he had three official at bats, one walk. He did he did reach base? Uh, Heath Hood, two more hits, another RBI. Uh, Julian Brock, two more hits, another RBI. John Taylor continues to hit and an RBI. And Landry Wilkerson got a hit, and that wraps it up on offense. But to me, the story is Jackson Nezu. He comes out. He has a fantastic performance when we needed it most because honestly. Look, look at what the other guy did. I mean, that's what's most important to me. His bugaboo had been the third time through the lineup. If you go back and look at his starts, early in the season, first round, first time through the lineup, he was fine. Second time through the lineup, it was tough. Now he got through the second part of the lineup, the third time through the lineup, it was tough. Today, he put it all together. I mean, it really. there's really nothing you can complain about anything. Uh, his stuff was crisp. Everything he did, he located, he did it. He put it all together. It was a total package today from him. And I, I can't say enough about that performance. It was good to see good pitching back at, at Russo Park. Any thoughts on the Arkansas State Red Wolves going further? We'll wrap it up with Tripper on the league. Yeah, no, I mean, it, we went 4-1 and one this week. I mean, it's a five-game week. And look, you, you were able to get it done. Sure, we would have liked to win that Mississippi State game. But at the same time, right now, you're 14-6. and six. I want to say it's probably one of the better starts we've had in quite a while. Uh, you're beating teams you're supposed to beat. You were able to you know, get a sweep to open up your conference, your conference, your conference um, schedule. So you did everything you want, you had to do. And, um, you know, moving forward again, you have Grambling on Tuesday, you got Southeastern on Wednesday uh, Two, I mean, there's two home games that you would hope to win going into South Alabama. And of course, next weekend, it's your first real road test in, in a while. So um, I think 
having those guys come in and whether they were pinch hitting or coming in as subs and able to, you know, get it done this weekend, seeing guys like Connor Higgs hit a grand slam, seeing guys like Landry Wilkerson get his first uh, collegiate home run, you know, seeing, seeing guys like Luke Uhas get play time, seeing Clay Wargo get some play time uh, to help out with Julian. I mean, that's big. And, and I, I can't stop emphasizing that on a weekend like this because you will need these guys moving forward. And now you're getting into the nitty gritty of conference against some good teams. That is huge. So I'm just hoping that really we just keep this momentum going into this week. Of course, I'd love to see another four in one week, but it's baseball. You just never know. So keep winning, keep staying focused. And, you know, I know we talk about the RPI as fans, but you got to get the RPI up too. You know, that matters. And uh, hopefully, you know, starting Tuesday night, we keep this momentum going and we just get some more wins and pad up that record. I'll do quickly around the league. It was a tough day in the Sun Belt for the West. Troy gets swept at Georgia State. Arkansas, gets, Arkansas State gets swept at Louisiana. South Alabama gets swept at Georgia Southern. UL Monroe gets swept against Old Dominion. Texas State beats Southern Miss in a really good series, 2-1. to one. That was at Texas State. They had some – it got kind of nasty – the pitcher was doing some shenanigans that got him in trouble. And uh, overall, a good college baseball series. But Texas State, after really struggling the first half of the season, beat TCU in a midweek last week. They come back to to uh, play Southern Miss in their opening series for conference, and they beat them. Southern Miss has got problems. They walk a lot of people. Their pitching staff is not nearly what uh, they expected. So there's going to be some growing pains in Hattiesburg. It'll be interesting to, to see where they round out, and I know we play them later in the season, but it'll be interesting to see where they fall. South, Al- South Alabama looks horrible. I don't know what's going on over there. I, they thought they were going to be able to pitch. They cannot do it. James Madison played Coastal. James Madison goes down. They did win a game in the series. They salvaged a game, uh, but Coastal looks like a pretty well-oiled machine. They're scoring a lot of runs. I'm not looking forward to, uh, to playing them. Of course, I never look forward to playing them in anything because I hate their guts. Uh, but anyway... Everybody, thanks for participating. If you would, please take some time to subscribe to the show. Like, rate, review, share, friends, family members, social media pages, what have you. Uh, We do this on Sundays. We recap the week in baseball. And, you know, this show had a little bit of basketball in it and some, some, uh, some spring stuff like golf and track and things like that. By the way, shout out to the girls for sweeping USM and softball in Hattiesburg. That was uh, fun. And run, run ruled them today. So it's always good to beat the Golden Eagles, you know. So shout out to softball. But no, just want to let you guys know that uh, Sundays is when we do this. So if you can participate, get in the Twitter space. We have a phone uh, number that you guys can call. And Nick flashed it earlier. It's on the Twitter account and all over the different pages that we're on. Uh, We love having your thoughts. We do it for the fans. We look forward to seeing you next week. And we're going to do it all over again. Farewell. Farewell.